Hello, listeners, and welcome to Formative Films, a nostalgia podcast where two old friends discuss the movies that inspired us in our youth to see how they resonate with us today. We are your two hosts, Mikey and Justin. This is Formative Films. Formative Films. We're all the size of boogers. Whoa, hey, Mikey. How you doing this week? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? Doing great, because we are going to be discussing from 1989, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I always just kind of throw out the IMDb plot summary quick. The scientist father of a teenage girl and boy accidentally shrinks his and two other neighborhood teens to the size of insects. Now the teens must fight diminutive dangers as the father searches for them. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Yeah, diminutive dangers. Diminutive dangers, diminutive dangers, diminutive. So as we always ask, how was this film formative to you, Mikey? Me go first, you go first? I'll let you go first first? because I've got a big old story to tell with mine. Oh, God damn, you do. Okay. (laughs) 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 Okay, this movie was very formative. For me, uh, saw it in the theater at least once. I'm, I was trying to remember, like, I, I, we might have even gone a couple times. Came out on VHS and owned it, watched it many a times at home. Like a lot of these other movies we cover, the dawn of DVD comes along, and I don't replace a lot of these movies, and then years go by and I don't see them. So this is the first time, again, probably since VHS, that I've, the VHS era that I've seen this. I would say it's a similar path as far as like having not seen it since probably it was on VHS. I I probably haven't seen this since high school at the very latest. So yeah, it's been about 20 years. And yeah, I I definitely saw it when Disney Plus first came out. It was like one of those ones I was like, I need to watch that movie again. That movie is great. But yeah, I saw it in theaters, had it on VHS, watched it a bunch. But as we discovered last week, I saw it in theaters the day before I had my ankle crushed by a car. And uh, as we had said on a previous podcast, I have not really told this story in full. So uh, Mikey had asked if I kind of indulge and tell the story uh, and get a little get a little dark with it. So if you'll, oh yes, if you'll let everybody me. snuggle in, get close, get close to your headsets. All right, <laughs> grab a grab a snack. All right, I've got a I got my oatmeal cream pie right here. Oh shit! The actual <laughs> Nikki's favorite snack is apparently also Mikey's favorite snack. It really was. It really was. I could relate to Nikki. So we had seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids the day before, my second oldest sister and my little sister. Uh, now, normally we would all go together as a big family, but my father and my oldest sister were out on the East Coast looking at colleges. My brother uh, was at a sleepover. So it was just us three kids and mom. The next day we go to church and church happens as normal. Uh, but except when we leave church, I normally hold my brother's hand. And for some reason, no one's holding my hand. And uh, the way to get to our car was you went down these big stairs from the church down to the street, but there was no real difference between the street and the curb. It was just all one pavement. And so there are a bunch of people standing on one side of the road and people are kind of crossing when they can to get to their car. In being a little six-year-old kid, I kind of got my uh, directions messed up. I looked right, left, right instead of left, right, left for traffic. And I'm sure I had seen like someone trying to cross or something. And I was like, well, if they're crossing, I can cross, which was not the case. Uh, Because as I stepped one foot into the road, suddenly this car came from the left, 
quite quick and basically my right foot got caught underneath the wheel of the car. It got dragged along the pavement about a foot and a half, maybe even just a foot, but imagine like skinning your knee with a thousand pounds of pressure pushing down into the pavement. That's what's happening to my ankle, which I didn't even notice this until years later. If you look at my two ankles, if I stand up, one is rounded, you know, like everyone else's ankle is. And the one that was under the car pressure is much more flat. There's very little of the actual big ankle bone there anymore because it got ground into the pavement. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, I've put my snack cookie down. Okay. Jeez. Uh, and it continues from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll be, I'll try and wrap it up quick. So yeah, basically, no, no, keep going, please. Uh, the whole like side of my foot got kind of torn out. And then finally the like ripped, right? Did yeah. You, like, like, yeah. Like, like oh, flesh was God. like torn off again. Like it was like skinning your knee with a thousand pounds of pressure, pushing off all the stuff, all the soft flesh bone. Yeah. Like I said, the, the bone is ground down. I didn't even notice that oh, until years later. Like, like it, it's, it's not the same shape as the other bone because it got sanded off. And so, yeah, so the, finally the car rolled over my ankle, crushing it and breaking it into a bunch of pieces. It's all in an instant. And like, at first I'm like, oh, I'll walk. Oh, I'm on my back. Oh, I hit my head. My head hurts. And I was in such shock, I couldn't even feel my ankle at first. And my mother starts running around screaming like, oh my God, someone call 911, call 911. And in my head, I'm like, oh, mom, I just, it knocked me down. I'm okay. My head hurts, but I just hurt my head. And I kind of like try to sit up then and try to like, you know, get ready to move. And I see then my foot is mangled and adrenaline. I just, and like you the adrenaline, adrenaline. Yeah. So like I suddenly start screaming at that and then the kind of adrenaline wore off. Basically, as soon as I saw it, I was just like, ah, and all this pain surged through my body. Uh, I remember too, the worst of it was when the ambulance came and to move me safely, they basically put like this kind of um, plastic balloon around my ankle, like mm. basically wrapping it and then they would inflate it and it would like, swell up and like you know be a cushion all around my foot well they like blew into it and they blew it so it was like firm it would do its job and like you know keep it cushioned but the pressure of the balloon was like then squeezing my crushed ankle and so i remember like screaming bloody murder like that's too tight that's too tight please i was like remember like pleading please let some air out oh my god that hurts so bad please let some of the air out and they did eventually again how old I was six and a half. I turned seven that fall. Oh my God. We got to the hospital and they're like, we're here. And I immediately just blacked out. And my mother said like, you know, oh no, you were conscious in the emergency room. You were talking and stuff. And I was like, I may have been conscious. I blacked out. I don't remember anything once we arrived at the hospital. I was out until like I regained consciousness. And like, I wasn't even in a cast yet. They basically like put like a splint and like a giant ace bandage around everything. And they were like, okay, your surgery is scheduled two days from now. Go home for two days. I was like, what? It was nuts. Jeez. Wow. Oh my God. That's. And then, yeah. So you had like a crazy recovery time then too. Yeah, uh, I was. Uh, I don't remember how long I was in the hospital. Probably like a week just after the initial surgery. Um, but I had like two pins that they put into my ankle, and then because I had like the big gaping hole on the side of my foot, they had to let like, them cut a hole in the cast. And like my family had to like change the dressing on that every day, and like that sucked because it would like you know scab over. And then I had like pull this cotton thing off of the scab, and that really fucking hurt every day. Never um, get infected. No, thank God, because they, again, they really kept it clean, but I had to go through three different casts. Uh, and uh, you know, it, was, it was almost a year before I was able to walk again. 
and you had to miss school too, right? You were like bedridden. No, so it wasn't, I didn't miss any school because this happened right at the end. Like school had already been out. It was summertime. So I just lost an entire uh, summer. And then when uh, school came in the fall, I still had a cast on my foot and all of that. But yeah, uh, no, I just, I just lost a summer to, yeah. Like I, I didn't get, I never got a chance to see Back to the Future 2 in theaters because I was on the sofa, stuck on the sofa. Uh, but we should get to some facts about the movie. Mike, who wrote it? Who directed it? Who's involved? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's one hour and 33 minutes. Debuted June 23rd, 1989. The same weekend as Batman. The screenplay is by Ed Naha and Tom Schulman. Uh, it's the directorial debut of former ILM art director Joe Johnston. He came in after uh, the original director, Stuart Gordon, fell ill and unfortunately had to drop out. But- and he was the original story writer as well with Brian Yunza and Ed Naha. Yes, yes. Yep, and then Ed Naha, I'm not sure if he stuck with it or if he just, if they kept his name on it because they kept a lot of the, I don't know, that, that's in the weeds. It doesn't matter. But anyways. I did want to just talk a little bit about Stuart Gordon because he's just a unique guy. Sure. Uh, he, again, was supposed to direct this as well as be part of the writing team, uh, but he is mostly known for horror movies like Reanimator, From Beyond, Dolls, the 1993 version of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, as well as The Dentist oh. with Corbin Burnson. Uh, I've only ever seen Dolls, which he only wrote, but it's a really kind of cool movie with cool, great kind of gory special effects. But uh, the one thing I read, read too is like his original story was much darker. Like one of the, there was supposed to be another kid who died during the movie, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. But I just wanted and, to interject that he's he's been well known for horror, and yet he made this original story for this family movie. And it was originally written for Chevy Chase too, probably the Stuart Gordon version. So I could see like a Chevy Chase, Wayne Zielinski, darker, darker version for sure. The original budget was 18 million. The final box office tally was 222.7 million. A huge smash. Uh, they 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 didn't expect it to be this big of a of a hit. It, it didn't top Batman in its opening weekend, but it was up until that point the top grossing Disney movie of all time. Before that, it had been Three Men and a Baby. I remember that movie being yeah, a that huge movie was sensation. Huge. A lot of people said that it was due to them having the Roger Rabbit in Tummy Trouble tagged onto the beginning. They say that. I read that on IMDb as well. I don't think that's true. I mean, no. when I was going to the movie, it was like, oh, what a nice surprise, a Roger Rabbit yeah. short. It wasn't like, An added it, it wasn't like I'm going to see it just for the Roger Rabbit short because I love <laughs> Roger Rabbit. It was like, oh, what a nice surprise. This, here, this is here too. <laughs> right, exactly. But... Uh, Justin, uh, you want to give us the rundown of the cast? Who's in this Who's in this shindig? Sure, I will try my best to run through this. I also want to just throw in, as far as like we're discussing behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, Phil Tippett, who is famous in stop-motion animation uh, for Star Wars, Howard the Duck. He does a lot of work with ILM, although I don't think he... I think with this, he was a separate entity. I don't know if... It, I, don't, I didn't read up this if this was ILM that did the special effects it, for this. I think it is ILM. Um, I'm going to say it was. I know he did a lot of work with them, and he was in charge of the, like, you know, Ant and the Scorpion and the Bee sequence. So, yeah, I uh, just want to throw out the uh, shout-out to Phil Tip because dude's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Malton, I, I, the Leonard, Leonard Malton quote that I had uh, mentions Phil Tippett. So, 
Nice. That, that, that was about the best thing about <laughs> about his quote. It wasn't wasn't too much, but we're not there yet. No, Let's get I will this cast. run through this cast as quick as I can. Uh, we have Rick Moranis as Wayne Zielinski, Matt Frewer as Big Russ Thompson, Marcia Strassman as Diane Zielinski, which I, I could not remember her name throughout the entire thing. I just kept writing Mrs. Zielinski <laughs> in my notes. We had a neighbor whose mom was Diane, so it was very easy for me to remember. Nice. Uh, Christine Sutherland as May Thompson, Thomas Wilson Brown as Little Russ Thompson, Jared Rushton as Ron Thompson, Amy O'Neill as Amy Zielinski, Robert Oliveri as Nick Zielinski, a bunch of side characters. The other one I want to mention is uh, Lauder, sorry, Laura Waterbury as female cop as she is also in Better Off Dead and Summer School, two 80s movies that I absolutely love. Nice. Well, Carl Stevens, Tommy Purvis, I recognize him. I think he's in, I thought for sure you would have said I, him. I, I'm not prepared to, with anything else that he's in, but I know I've seen That's why him. I never, I, I was like, that kid, I, he's always looked familiar. I don't know what I know him from, so I never bothered. Oh, you, you know what I know him? Shit, you just saying that? You know what he is? You, you yeah. know who he is, Mikey? Why he's familiar? <laughs> who is he? He is the kid blowing the dog whistle in Teen Wolf in the hardware store. <gasps> That's how my stupid brain works. I go, gee, I don't yep. know how I know that kid. No, I know exactly how I know that kid. God damn my fucking brain. You know what, though? My brain does that, too. It's just a little bit slower. So it, I would have gotten there, too. That would have happened to me, too. Yeah, Carl Steven, uh, Mark L. Taylor, was, it plays Don Forrester. Uh, I recognize him from Arachnophobia. He's, he's the also guy in, who dies at the beginning. Yeah, he's also in Inner Space. I believe he's the guy who Martin Short sneezes Dennis Quaid onto. Yes, yes. And then, yeah, also, the, yeah, we should mention, yeah, uh, should I go back and just mention these no, people? Okay. No, this is, well, let's keep it. This is live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Kimmy Robertson is Gloria Forrester. Everyone knows her from Twin Peaks. She's got then, the, the, the whitey voice. Yeah. And the only other person I have that I copy down because I didn't take I know else, who it is. Yes, is Lou Cattell as Dr. Brainerd. Uh, we know him from Pee-Wee's Big Adventure as the amazing Larry. Amazing Larry. <laughs> Which if you if you've listeners have listened to our P episode, I throw that out there to these guys. I'm like, do you guys know what else he's in? And I mentioned this movie. Yes. The connections, the connections, the web that we are weaving. We should lastly talk about who did the music for this. Mikey, who who yes. was it? Yes. We have to mention James Horner, uh, who's come up on on previous episodes here. Our very first episode, Willow. Yeah. All of these have been your picks. James Horner did Willow. He did... The Rocketeer. Yes. Um, also, I threw in a couple other good ones. Sneakers. I know we both really like sneakers. Mm -hmm. uh, Aliens. Aliens might be my favorite James Horner score. I didn't remember he did that one. That's great. Oh, it's a great score. Uh, Braveheart, another good one. Uh, Titanic, which, which is what got him his two Academy Awards. Avatar, and then I know we, we mentioned this in a previous episode, he unfortunately passed away in 2015 in a helicopter accident, I believe. So his final work that I could find was 2016's Magnificent Seven remake. Which was not a bad film. I remember I saw no. that in theaters and quite enjoyed it. Like I uh, did too. I expected it to be like, I'm going to have a problem with this in some degree. But I was like, no, like this pretty much hit it out of the park. I especially really, really enjoyed the, the Ethan Hawke character. Yeah, me too. He was kind of my favorite character in the whole bunch. He was just, he, he had good pathos and, uh, mm -hmm. and a, the backstory, a, a good was... arc with him. Yeah. Yep. 
But I, as far as uh, James Horner too, I wanted to mention that he almost got, he almost got sued for incorporating <laughs> parts of a song into the main theme of the movie. Later on, Disney paid this person's estate an undisclosed amount to, to prevent being sued. But it was a, a song called "Powerhouse" by Raymond Scott. And if you'll indulge me for just a minute, I want to play just a little bit of uh, Raymond Scott's "Powerhouse." Oh yes, please! I've got another oatmeal cream pie here. Was that James Horner's score for uh, No, that's kids? Power that's Powerhouse by Raymond Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's exact like same a, tune. That's like a it's a we- it's a cool little tune. That's like a weird little segment in the middle too, isn't it? It like kind of moves yeah, like, through like the, these different the, the, the beginning of the song is completely different from that middle part, but I had to get to the middle part because that's the part that's the most like the soundtrack. If I just started oh, the yeah, song, you you'd be had like, to play that. Cause cause the start of the song is just like scales going up and down for like three seconds. It's just like and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but where is the thing? Yeah. Then you get to that part, it's like, oh, this is this is where he took from the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first time I'm listening to it, like a minute in, I'm like, this is what they got sued for. I mean, it's kind of, I guess, the same vibe, but and then that part kicked in, and it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> but I, I wanted to just mention the score itself because that's how the movie starts. Is it starts with this animated opening sequence with all the credits going through it which doesn't happen anymore there used to be such like great cartoon openers mm-hmm. for movies like i remember like mannequin had a great animated opening sequence I'm, i can't think of it anymore right now mannequin was always the one that jumps forward in my brain but this had it and you just don't see it anymore play is just too expensive yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, I can't I can't think of uh, the last time I've seen that, but I do like that. And that would probably be a nice transition after the Tummy Trouble uh, cartoon to go from, I'm trying to imagine the first time seeing this in the theater, seeing that and then going into the animated opening for this. I did want to quickly mention though, James Horner kind of lifting that. He did make a note in his, uh, in, a, in the written notations that, uh, it did. It did use powerhouse. So I don't know if uh, if it was his fault or if it was somebody at Disney not putting that into the credits of the film. My guess um, is Disney was not... like, "We we won't pay them unless they come forward and say, hey, you gotta pay us.' Like, let's just not be. pay them." Is my guess. And, and I also just wanted to say that he is not the only person to do this. Um, in fact, the great and mighty John Williams. A lot of his music. Uh, I mentioned to you uh, the Star Wars theme. Um, <laughs> people, check out a, a, a classical music, a, ca- a classical piece called King's Row. It's it's the first five notes are Star Wars. Then it kind of goes off in this other place. But that first five notes, you're like, oh, oh, Johnny Williams. <laughs> Johnny, what are you doing? Sneaky devil. The opening animated sequence is fantastic. If we wanted to go through it, we could, but it basically is just his way to show the credits in a creative way. I always just love like two things in particular. One was like pencil going into the electric pencil sharpener and like the little animated character having to run off of it. And then also the uh, giant record player needle that resembled a snake always. Uh, That was a very clever design. I watching it, I kind of was thinking, I wonder if these were ideas that they, if they would have been stuck inside the house, because this all was like inside the house kind of stuff. The like you mentioned, the the record player. There's the dust buster, which kind of looked like a little bit of computer animation in there. 
to me. I think, yeah, I wasn't too sure. I questioned that too with that extra layer early, early. On, on top of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fan blades, they, they were riding on a, on a paper airplane that gets chopped up by the fan blades. The typewriter, avoiding getting ch- uh, flattened by the typewriter. The pencil sharpener. The this toaster. all could have been like, oh, the toaster, yep. All stuff like if they would have been stuck inside. I like that they did incorporate those things because, uh, I mean, obviously the idea of a shrunken person inside of a house has been done before. We saw it with The Incredible Shrinking Man and The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily, Taylor, uh, Lily Tomlin, which I've never seen, but I've heard is good. And if I recall, it's, I think, Joel Schumacher's directorial debut. You mentioned Lily Taylor. I like her as well. But yes, Lily Tomlin, uh, she's great. <laughs> Lily Taylor always seems like she was crying for an hour before she came on screen. <laughs> 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 my favorite is uh, high fidelity <laughs> oh yeah um but yeah so the movie opens we're on this quiet suburban street um uh yes california oh nope mexico city <laughs> yeah yeah it was like this studio in mexico city. yeah did you you said you were gonna try and find some research as to why they uh, mexico city. Yeah, i'm sure it was just like I, a budgetary thing it must have been a budgetary thing like they I, all that i could find was that location scouts had 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 found a, a place to use but this is before disney bought the rights so i don't know what studio had I, I didn't write down what studio had it at the time but pre-disney they were going to film it in like coronado california and they had photographed this neighborhood and they had these particular houses that they were going to use and then disney bought the script moved the production to churubusco studios in mexico city probably for production cost I, I guess it would i don't know it's strange i don't know why i don't know i can't figure it out maybe maybe the, like to work with the special effects maybe that's where they were shooting like this i don't know it's i'm one yeah of those, who, who it doesn't, knows? doesn't matter it, it didn't it come matter. up it didn't come up in the research that's all we need to know it, it, it was <laughs> they didn't say it was I'm because spinning of my ABC. wheels here sorry yeah. but uh, but i found it strange yeah why why it felt, and then it, it even became like they got sued because like the the families that owned the homes that they were going to film at got upset that they didn't film there and that the houses on the set looked so much like their houses. They wanted their cut. So it was, it was weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we opened in this <laughs> suburban street uh, where the mailman is dropping off mail for the Thompsons and also for the Zielinski's. Uh, he gives the Zielinski's mail to their dog who was named Cork. And uh, we then meet the Zlinsky family. The teenage daughter, Amy, is gabbing on the phone with her friend as she's cooking breakfast. Uh, she's talking about how she is potentially going to be asked out by Paul Tate, this cute boy at school, because he recently broke up with that girl, Gina. And we all know that girl, Gina, was a bitch. Oh, um, no, Gina, you didn't. She, uh, she was asked by Paul to meet at the mall later, and she's convinced he's going to ask her to the big dance happening next week, Friday. Oh, big moves, big, bold moves. Yep. And then meanwhile, her younger brother, Nikki, is uh, sitting at the table. I really, I, 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 I was like Nick. He's, he's building like a little miniature version of his dad's shrink ray, which we haven't seen yet. Um, but I was, a, I was a model builder as a kid. So seeing him with this, building this little contraption that actually had like a little laser pointer light on it, I, I was very intrigued and fascinated by that. Yeah, I... 
definitely only built over like one or two model kits ever as a child. Uh, but I remember getting this really cool assignment in high school where like we had to basically, it was like do a diorama of a room, but like make it really look like a room kind of thing. And so that's fun. what I did was I built like a miniature dark room because I had been doing photo club and I really liked the dark room. And I was just like, oh, but I make like a miniature dark room. And so I did and it turned out really well. And I was always kind of like, I wish I'd done more with that, I probably could have gotten a job like building miniatures for movies or something. If I had like had like a, a, an array of that, I could have like shown people, but I didn't. And I ended up doing other stuff, but I was like, yeah, I kind of like that. I wish I had done more model making. It's never too late to get back into it. In fact, like a couple of years ago, I, I started getting back into it and then life comes at you. Life finds a way. Oh, you. <laughs> I want to mention too, we see this uh, janky looking solar powered coffee maker that obviously Mr. Zelinsky has made. There's lots of other little gadgets around the house we'll kind of mention here and there, but that was the first one we see. It's like this solar powered coffee maker that doesn't seem to be working very well. And then uh, two, uh, I never noticed this until this time that Nick is wearing a bathrobe that made, is made to look like a lab coat with like pens <laughs> in the pockets and stuff. But I always as a kid just thought he had his own little lab coat. No, he's wearing a white robe that he wears to look like a lab coat oh my god that is so pivotal too that's so important i didn't pick up on that either until you mentioned that that i love that little that's a huge clue i think you know he's just wanting to be like his dad trying to get his dad's attention yeah there's a scene coming up here well like he, it's just very obvious he's like hey dad i like the thing you like too and his dad's is like yeah no that's great i am so focused on my thing i can't even acknowledge you i'm sorry kid which is, yeah, it's just all set up for like the, the ways that this family is dysfunctional. I, I love the setup, the, this whole opening sequence pre-shrinking is really elegant. I love how everything is set up, all the characters, all of their wants and goals and flaws. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I try and break up movies like, you know, into acts and really act one ends when they get shrunk. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the whole act is just all set up for how these family dynamics work. And I was astonished by that. I was like, oh, like they, they get shrunk in like 10 minutes. No, they get shrunk at minute 30. I was like, holy yeah. cow. But yeah, so we see Amy talking to her friend again, uh, how her parents had a fight last night, that her mother had to stay at their grandma's house, that had, makes Nick give her a knowing look like, oh, yeah, they had that fight again. And I wrote, like, the, is, I wrote kids know happened before I wrote kids know everything going on, despite what parents might think, even though the parents are like, Oh, we were, we were arguing, but they don't really know that they, they, we did it in the basement. They didn't hear. No, they fucking know. They know. Yep. Yep. They know. We get another one of Wayne's uh, inventions here. The intercom system. Amy signals that it's breakfast time. And again, something I didn't notice until this time viewing, he can, you can barely hear the bell ringing because he's wrapped the clanger with cloth. It's going uh-huh. off and he can barely hear it because he's wrapped it to, to dampen it because, again, it's showing that, like, he put this thing in there initially. It's like, you know, you guys can always alert me. Always let me know when you need me and I'll come downstairs immediately. I'll, I'll always respond. But now he's wrapped the bell up so he can ignore it for longer, showing us that he's too enwrapped in his work. He doesn't care about the family as much anymore. He's, it's all about this machine he's building in the attic, this crazy scientist. He's busy welding on the machine, making all kinds of noise. He quickly types on this keyboard, I'll be down in five minutes, which translates to, (laughs) I'll be down on fine mimics. (laughs) Because he's got his gloves on. Yeah, type him with his gloves on again. Yep, Amy knows what's up. Yeah, and then uh, I think uh, uh, we're next door and we see the Thompsons, the neighbors, the lovely, lovely neighbors, Big Russ. I want to mention too, I, I, I do like 
that there's a big rust and a little rust. That's very realistic. However, for my note taking, it was very confusing. I got um, LR and BR. That's cool. I wanted to mention too that uh, Russ Thompson is played by Matt Frewer, which listeners oh. might recognize as Max Headroom. He was only 30 years old while making this movie. And that's only 15 years older than the kid playing his son, Thomas Wilson Brown. People just aged differently back in the day. They were always out in the sun. Everyone was <laughs> a smoker. And he's a balding man, too. When you're balding, you just end up looking older already. So he's got all this stuff working against him. And he looks like he is 43, but he is 30. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, he's 15 years, only 15 years older than the kid playing his son. And 15 years younger than the lady playing his wife. Oh, really? I didn't know how old <laughs> yes. she was. Christine Sutherland. Sutherland. So he's awesome. like right right in the middle. I love Matt Frewer. He is just, I don't even know what channel Max Hedrum was on. He, I was And, and the show he had, I think, was on MTV. Was it MTV? Okay. I think so. I was obsessed for like, I don't know how long in my youth, but Max Hedrum was it. I had a Max Hedrum belt. I had Max Hedrum suspenders. I loved Max Hedrum. So Max, Ma- Max, Matt Frewer, I'm a lifelong devoted fan. Russ Thompson's yeah. upset because it's early on Saturday morning and Wayne Zielinski's making all kinds of welding noise. I got a four-hour drive ahead of me. This is the weird thing. So they're going on a fishing weekend, they keep saying. They keep saying, you know, we're going fishing this weekend. But they pack so much shit in this van. <laughs> and they say, like, you know, they have, there's a four-hour drive ahead of them. They're supposed to leave around noon. Four hours you get there. You can maybe do a little fishing in the afternoon, but I know fishing is better in the morning. So I don't know what they're planning on doing besides like just setting up camp. They're going to spend the night. They're going to fish a little bit the next morning on Sunday, but then they're going to have to drive four hours back. So like, what is this trip they're doing? This sounds awful. <laughs> I didn't think about it that much. Anyway, he gets in a big huff. He runs downstairs. I love, br- I love, I love how he says, who does he think he is? Mr. Wizard. <laughs> Good one. Good one there. I mean, I never really watched Mr. Wizard. I know who he, who he is. I, I don't know much more than just a reference to Mr. Wizard. You're kind of schooling me. I, I thought he was just making a lame name, and I'm like, Oh, Mr. no, it's Wizard, not a lame that's name. That's the no, best you can Mr. come up Wizard with? was like Bill Nye, the Thank science you. guy in the 80s. He, he, okay. He, he, he ran a stupid TV show like, Hey, kids, you know, if you put a, a static balloon against your head and you stick it to the wall, that's static electricity making that happen. That was Mr. Wizard. He was a TV personality who taught kids science. Bill Nye, the science guy of Big Russ Thompson's era. Exactly. Thank you. Ah, yeah. That makes a lot more sense now. Well, that was a good zinger then. Mr. Wizard, as he runs down to his backyard to go give Zelensky a piece of his mind, he runs into this tripwire in his backyard. <laughs> his second son, Ron, has been camping in the backyard, quote-unquote, defending it. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Thompson, played by Jared Rushton, who had a great career in the 80s. He was in Big, he's in Overboard. I'm trying to think he's in this. It's something else I'm escaping my brain right now, but he, he is a great child actor. I really liked him a lot in Big and Overboard. And then this, he Big. was great. Yeah, I loved him in both these movies. Runs defending the backyard. He's using crossbows and sporting equipment, including his dad's fishing wire, which his dad's like, that's my fishing rod. <laughs> he walks right through the trip wire, only to be shot in the forehead by a crossbow, with a rubber-tipped arrow, thank God. Yeah, suction cup. is a little bit more than suction cup, too, because he's trying to pull it off and he can't get it. And, and Ron's like, I use super glue. Super glue? you got to mark those trespassers, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only ever been fishing twice in my life. How about you? 
I used to go all the time. You remember the trip we took up to the cabin in Minnesota? Oh, yeah. Like, that was a yearly trip multiple times a year sometimes. Ice fishing, summer fishing, all kinds of fishing growing nice. up. Uh, Amy Zielinski is witnessing all of this happening in the Thompson's yard, to which she says, huh, what a weird family. <laughs> which is the joke because she's got the weird family. <laughs> <laughs> Nick goes to the attic to show his dad his completed model and wants to talk science with his dad. But as we said before, Wayne is just too distracted trying to get his machine to work. He tells Nick to go help his sister instead of bothering him. And it's just, you can see in Nick's just heartbroken. He's like, God damn it, dad. I was trying to connect with you and you shush me away. Just trying to get his dad's attention. Just trying to make his dad proud. But it also tells us that Nick is into science and presumably a pretty smart kid for a kid his age. And it shows that, mm-hmm. again, it shows that Wayne is, is just putting work before everything else, including his kids. Yeah, and I, he's on a deadline. I'm not giving him any excuses. Uh, he, he is neglecting his kids. But I suppose that's true. Yeah, yeah like really he, under the gun. He's is, got a presentation today, and yeah. he has no proof that his presentation actually works. So he's trying desperately to fix the error that's been happening. Which is and a, this and this is what's drawn his wife to go to the grandma's this time too. So like, let's at least get this. Can I at least get this, this machine working to make all this worth it? We learn it's a machine he's going to use to shrink objects, and he tries shrinking an apple. We see how the whole thing works. He has like liquid nitrogen going through it, and it's on this like rack that goes up and down. Which I guess I, I want to mention. I recently watched the episode of Prop Culture again about this yes, movie. Yes, I did too. And it was Joe Johnston, I believe, that suggested that the machine be put onto this rig that allows it to lower and raise and turn, giving the machine itself kind of a personality just from its ability to kind of aim and direct itself and move around. Before that, it was just idle on the table. He's like, let's get this thing moving. It's both practical in that you would need to move it to aim it. Mm -hmm. And it also gives it a personality. And I realized too, after watching that and then watching the film, like the whole baseball, you know, falling off of it. So it's not so obvious that it was in its place also wouldn't happen unless that thing was moving around. So that too, like it really helps the story. He tests this thing out on the apple and uh, ends up making applesauce. Back at the Thompson's house, the older son, little Russ has woken up and his dad's asking if he's excited to go fishing, to which Russell then closes the bathroom door in his father's face and says, fishing is your thing, dad, not mine. And wants to not even discuss it. And then, did you ever have a thing that like your dad was really into and hoped you'd be into? And you just, as a kid, you were just like, I just, I don't like this. I'm not into it, dad. I'm sorry. Probably sports. Probably I wasn't, I mean, I played a little bit of baseball, never played football. My dad was big into watching sports. And I think I, I never took the football until my 20s. Now it's my favorite thing. So we were, we're together on it now, but I think that was like the big thing growing up. I think he wished I would have gotten more into watching sports. I just, I couldn't, it was the boringest thing to watch. How about you? Big thing that dad always liked was kites. He always loved going to the kite festival like every year in Milwaukee. And it's gorgeous. It's like, I've, I've certainly been more than once because he always would take us, but he was always just like, you know, aren't kites great? And like, let's go fly a kite. And I was like, 
yeah, that's fun for like 10 minutes and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never even thought of going to something like that, but I, there are some crazy cool kites, I bet, like some dragon ones. Oh, and then there are like teams who do like synchronized. It's like the Blue Angels, but oh. it's kite flying. It's oh, really cool wow. to see. That is cool. Whole world out there that I didn't know about. Mr. and Mrs. Thompson go to their bedroom and start making their bed. Mr. Thompson's like, what's wrong with little Russ? Like, why is he being a little shit? And she's like, he got cut from the football team yesterday because he was told he's too small to play football. Too small for football? When you say things like that, you make him feel about that big. It's that kind of thing where, like, little Russell kind of doubts himself and doesn't, he's, he's unsure of himself because his dad's always telling him how he could do it better than Russell's doing it. Like, when I was your age, I could do it like this. I, I was captain of the football team. I could lift weights every day. And he's just like, well, I can't. And, like, that makes me feel shitty. They're like, you're saying you're better than me. Thanks a lot, Dad even though he has doubts about himself because his dad, he steps up so much when like he's put to the test when they have their journey. Like he is like fearless. And I'm just like, I always loved him for that because yeah, like while he is, he lacks confidence in his things his dad wants, he has confidence when it comes time to like, like he should be a lifeguard who just like dives into the r- raging ocean to save people. Cause that's what he does over and over once he's given that chance. Yeah, he should be in the military or the lifeguard, like you said, or Coast Guard or something. When they're in the backyard jungle, he is the boss. He's awesome. <laughs> he is. He is. It like made the hair stand up on the back of my neck sometimes. Wow, this kid is a hero. At the Zelinsky household, we see Amy was in charge of making breakfast since mom's not around. With mom not around, it seems everyone would starve because she has burnt the toast, burnt the bacon, and burnt the eggs? Like, how the hell do you burn <laughs> eggs as bad as she has burned these things? I love Dick's line here. I'm on a special diet. No toxic waste. So she tries to feed <laughs> this burnt food to the dog, which the dog won't even eat. And then I love his special diet is the oatmeal and cream Little Debbie cookie pie thingies that Mikey apparently loves, which I did not know. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm having another one. Yeah, I, yeah, Nikki was my guy building little model kits and eating oatmeal cream pies. But as they're eating breakfast, Wayne has to run. He's nearly forgotten. He's got this conference he has to go talk at. Uh, But quickly as he's leaving, the wife gives a quick call and says, you know, hey, I want to wish you luck. Things are going to be better, I think. Like, we had our fight, but, like, you know, I still love you. And it seems like already they're going to be okay. Like, we don't, Mm -hmm. at this point, we already, like, don't need to worry too much about Wayne and his wife getting back together. Like, they're going to figure it out. He's even said, if this doesn't work out, I can always get my old job back. I'll make it work. Before he leaves the house, Wayne tells Nick, you have to mow the lawn, and Amy has to clean up the house and make it at least presentable as she can for mom. We see good luck that. with that. Yeah, good luck. We see Nick pulling a Tom Sawyer with his buddy Tommy, convincing him that it mm. would be super fun if you mowed my lawn with this remote control lawnmower. I think you really like it. It's super cool. Hey, if you throw in a box of cookies, I'll even let you cut the whole thing. That's <laughs> what I love. That's what I love. He's, like, he's a little salesman. I'm going to let you mow half the lawn. Little uh, but, swindler. And then uh, I love this too. Like oftentimes, especially in 80s movies, you'll have kids with skateboards showing that they're like, you know, they're, they're a cooler kid. But it's so obvious this kid can't really ride a board that well. He, he, he can push on it, but he, he's not really riding that skateboard very well. I, just, I, can, I can just picture him walking around carrying it. Which then I was recently listened to another podcast talking about the Fred Savage movie, The Wizard. And how oh. Fred Savage is carrying a skateboard throughout that movie, never 
steps on it. Never steps on the skateboard, ever. Mm-mm. God, you're giving me ideas for more formative films. I can't say I've even seen The Wizard all the way through. It never, it never grabbed me. Add it to the list. It's going to happen. Tommy, of course, can't cut the lawn right now. He has to, I have to go meet Noog right now. Nick reluctantly agrees that later is okay as long as Tommy is not too late in getting the job done. So then we're back at the Thompson house. We've got Big Russ checking a long list of items. Man, this trip, you're right. They're not going to have, they're spending all the time packing. What are they going to unpack? It's going to take a week to unpack all this stuff. Yeah, I just wrote. uh, And now we start the running gag of this family is packing way too much stuff that they shouldn't need for this trip. It is a funny gag, though. It does make me make me chuckle. How do you pack? Do you tend to overpack for stuff? Do you try and just keep it as slim as possible? I try to keep it slim if I can, just because then, too, like if I'm usually on a vacation, I might find something I want to bring home with me. So you want to have make sure there's room in your suitcase. But uh, yeah, like I try not to overpack. It really depends on what I'm doing. If I'm going like camping, I can survive with like a couple of shirts and just a bunch of underwear and socks. Like, like I was going to say one pair of underwear. I, I, no, I was just like <laughs> several pairs of underwear. You want clean underwear, you want clean socks, but I could wear the same like two shirts for like a week. I try to not pack, overpack, but I'm always like, oh, what if it's going to be warm? I'm going to want some shorts and I want a couple options. And then uh, <laughs> we're going to want pants. So I, uh, and then I end up using like a quarter of the things that I pack. <laughs> Everyone packs differently and that's okay. I'm a boy. It's the Boy Scout in me. Always be prepared. He's got the checklist. He's checking it twice. Ron comes up and asks, hey, dad, you want to play baseball? And dad's like, baseball not on my checklist not gonna happen he doesn't really neglect his kid he's really trying to like connect with russ and he can't seem to connect with russ and he seems to really have connected with ron although this is a scene where i think ron feels neglected Uh, more so because he asks his brother to play and his brother doesn't even respond to him he just completely ignores him which we learn later on is because he's got his headphones in but i think that's that's what's more so trying to show it's not that ron has a bad relationship with his dad it's like ron's like Hey, brother, want to hang out like we used to? And his brother just completely ignores him. And that's, that's, that's the burn. It's like, God damn it. Now my brother is ignoring me. He's too yeah. cool for me, apparently. You're exactly right. Because then on the journey, they reconnect. Out of desperation, Ron goes over to the next door and sees Nick using some kind of homemade, I don't know what you call it. It's like a dust buster for yard debris. <laughs> very obviously built by his father. Perfect. Yeah. You ever do anything normal like play baseball? Baseball's for mortals. Maybe you could be the base. Maybe you could be the mound. (laughs) That's a great line read, too. Uh, Maybe you could be the mound. Then I always hated this. Big Russ calls Ron Russell and tells him to load his stuff. He yells across across the yard, Russell, load your stuff. And then Ron's like, you know, later worm, and he goes and loads his stuff. But I I will give them this. I'll give them this leeway. Because parents call their kids by the wrong name all the time. I cannot tell you the number of times my parents and grandparents have called me Jake. And I have just flat out not corrected them because it was like the 50th time they've done it. I'm like, fine. I know they're calling me, but they're saying Jake. And it's annoying, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth arguing with them. I, I've said before on other episodes, or maybe not on here, but on other podcasts, that for years I thought my name was Jake Jut. <laughs> <laughs> Amy dances with a disgusting mop. Yes. Like, what the hell? (laughs) 
like seeing it splatter onto that disgusting kitchen floor and then whipping it up <laughs> over her head and dancing with it like yeah, in with her it face. like right next to her face yeah no. oh and <laughs> obviously she's a teenager and she doesn't know how to clean the house very well you gotta sweep the floor before you mop it, Amy. You gotta sweep up first. You gotta get all that little debris off the floor before you just start getting it wet. Come on, kid. By the way, excellent use of the word debris tonight. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, thank you. Uh, so yeah, Russell sees Amy dancing and he's kind of stopping and staring at her. Big Russ sees his son looking at Amy and decides to give him a little pep talk. He takes him to the garage, shows him his barbells, and says, "You know, if you lift." These weights every day for three months, you'll see a difference and you'll be the best player on the football team. And Rich Russell's like, well, dad, you know, weights aren't my thing. Fishing isn't your thing. Weights aren't your thing. Just what is your thing? I don't know, but I'll keep you posted. And I love how, how he's like, if you work out on these for three months, you'll be throwing further, running faster, and hitting harder than anybody else on that team. So is he the quarterback? The running back? The defensive back? What position is he? <laughs> he's he's going to play them all because he's going to be he that them all. jacked and that good. This is the scene where we see Big Russ uh, still wants to be a smoker. He sits down next to the family cat and asks, you know, what am I doing wrong as a father? Puts a cigarette in his mouth from underneath his baseball cap, only to spit it out immediately when his wife says, Russell, you're not smoking a cigarette, are you? No, honey, you know I'm giving that up. <laughs> I love that the family's cat's name is Spike. Cute cat. I, I want to get a cat eventually. It is a cute guy. You know what? I would love to get a cat too. I love cats. We see Ron coming out of the house again with his ball and bat. And then the, the cute gag here of uh, Mrs. Thompson carrying golf clubs, a sleeping bag, and two suitcases that Russ has put into her hands. And he's just carrying the tiniest of lanterns. And also, I think he's humming Powerhouse. He's oh, humming he? power. Yeah, he's humming the Powerhouse tune right there. So I, I miss I, that. We see Russell has uh, stayed in a garage to lift weights, but Ron goes to the backyard to once again hit his baseball by himself. I myself was all too familiar with this kind of batting practice where you toss oh. the ball into the air and strike it. I'm certain that's why I was a lousy batter at Little League when I played. I played for like two or three years when I was like between ages nine and like 11. And uh, I was uh, I was so scared of getting hit by the ball as it was being pitched towards me. And uh, I'm certain it's because my batting practice was just me tossing a ball up into the air. And like, that's how I was used to hitting a ball, not it coming at me. So yeah, I, I was, did you play Little League at all? I did quite a bit, quite a lot. Yeah. Are you I, I good guess at it? <laughs> for one game, <laughs> I I was not known as a good player, and uh, neighboring town came came to our field this one weekend to play the scheduled game, and they were they were short one player, <laughs> and so my team was like, "Oh, you can have you can have Mike." <laughs> oh wow! They can. They can Thinking that, oh, take take our shittiest player. I had the best game of my life. I had an in 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 infield home run. I had like a triple. I, I was catching balls on defense. I was a game of my life. That lit a fire under my ass, and 
then that was it. It was extinguished after there because that was that was that was the highlight of my sports career. That's but that's but many fantastic. years. No, many I, I, years I, of t-ball and and then I, I think I even played bait. I not think I know I played baseball up until like freshman or junior year of high school. Oh wow! Was, no, I yeah. definitely did not play in high school. Uh, I I didn't even play in middle school. But yeah. Uh, Played in, in like, I think third grade was the first year you played Little League in my hometown. And uh, that year we won the the league championship because we had good players who were like on the older spectrum. Because it was like, you know, between nine and like 13 year olds were playing all together. And so we had a couple of good older kids. That was like their last year, though. And then the next year we just did awful because those good kids were gone. Ron finally hits the ball, and of course it goes through the attic window of the Selinsky house. And we see the ball hitting all kinds of apparatus in the attic, turning on this shrinking machine, as well as landing on it, blocking the high-powered laser that's one of its components. Yes, uh, for clarification, not the main laser, but like, I don't know, like the targeting. I don't know what it is. Some some laser that's on the side. of. The yeah, so, some function of it that is the laser. And then I, there's like the shrinking ray is how I would decipher the two. One One's a laser, one's a ray. As Ron tries to run away, Russ forces Ron to go over to the uh, Zelensky's to tell them what's happened about the broken window. We see that Russell being kind of awkward with Amy. It's, it's very obvious he's got a kind of a crush on her. I have a question, and maybe I'm overlooking it, but when Russ marches Ron over there, Ron says, turn me in and I'll tell you, tell all what you spend your allowance on. Do they ever? I've thought for sure it was going to come up later, and then it never does. No, I just always imagine it's like some kind of contraband that he's been told, you know, don't you buy that now. So it was like, I'm sure he, I always mentioned he like, that Ron found that Russell had bought like some dirty magazine with his allowance money. Porn. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, I always assumed it was porn. He's, he's 14. Wouldn't you be? I was. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, while uh, they're talking to Amy and Nick about the broken window, we can see that the machine is working on its own. As we said, it's kind of moving around. It shrinks the chair that's in the attic. It shrinks uh, Wayne's thinking couch. Yeah, the one with the with the scratches on the arm from Quark. Yeah, I, I love this line from uh, the two boys. Uh, Russ says that Ron will pay for the window out of his allowance. My allowance? Dream on. Okay, we'll just have Dad pay for it then. We'll take it out of my allowance. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also like it's a hot day. The window shouldn't have been closed in the first place. Any excuse to not get in trouble. It's like, it's not even yeah. my ball. It's, uh, it's not my ball, technically. It belongs to T- Jamie Thompson. Right, <laughs> yeah. He's just oh, trying everything to get out of it. Amy tells Nick to take Ron upstairs to get his ball and to clean up the mess. So you better take the broom with you. Russ tries to talk to Amy about going to the, about her dancing, but she mm-hmm. shames him for watching her, I noted. Did you have any crush on, on Amy? What did you think of Amy? At the time, like again, I was you know six when I saw this, so I didn't necessarily think of her that way. I, I had a little, uh, not a huge crush, but a little. Nick and Ron arrive in the attic, and we hear them kind of uh, conversing. They don't really even notice that the machine is on, but I love Ron's line here. Uh, wow, so your dad finally made contact with his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, we kind of, we don't see them get shrunk, right? But we just, we hear it and the light. Yeah, we, comes we, up. and we hear them scream. Yeah. yeah, we don't know what's happened to them. 
yeah, we kind of hide that for the next for a couple minutes here. And then uh, we cut to Wayne at his conference where he's not doing well. He's mm. yet to prove his theory, so no one really wants to believe him. They all think he's a fraud and full of crap. And then, yeah, then we get our little uh, Amazing Larry cameo where he's like, hey, uh, you know, it's hard to convince people without proof, but you keep at it, you know. And, hey, remember that thing I told you about, my electric flea collar? You were right. The extension cord was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Amy and Russ get tired of waiting for their brothers, so they decide to go to the attic to investigate. But they, too, get shot by the machine and find themselves to be a quarter of an inch tall on the floor of the attic. And this camera angle, too, from their perspective, looking up at the room. I wrote, the music is so good here, so ethereal and spooky, so magical. When they're first drunk, and they don't know, like, like they would say, where are we? They don't even recognize where they are at first. We're all the size of boogers! One of my favorite lines. Yeah. Nick, what did you do? Me? It was his ball. So I wrote this, like, Nick already knows that nobody had turned this on. It was just on and that something had to have done it. And obviously the ball was the only thing that came in the room before them. So he's like, the, the ball is what turned on the machine. It wasn't me, I swear. And just that, the fact that Nick knows that, again, like showing us how smart Nick is. Mm-hmm. Able to put that together. I didn't catch that. And then uh, Quark comes up and barks, and it's too loud. It's, they're all covering their ears. This is where the movie really starts to shine with just all these amazing sets and practical effects mixed with matte paintings and everything they had to do to just create the illusion of these shrunken kids. The, the giant grooves in the wood that is the, the set of the floor and like the big nail heads that are like kind of sticking out of the wood and the cracks in between the planks of wood, they're like three feet wide and full of dust. It's yeah. all such great design and so well executed. Yeah, like the gaps between the wood, too. That's my favorite thing. You'd have to, like, jump over those gaps. And like you said, that dust down there, how deep is that? I don't want to fall down there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, just as they've been shrunk, Wayne arrives at home to a ringing telephone in which Amy's like, if that's Paul Tate, I'm going to kill you, Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wayne wonders where the kids are. The dog uh, barks at him, like, says, you know, like, come, come, come. And he follows the dog to the attic where... Wayne kind of runs upstairs. The kids can hear him coming and they decide to move the tiny shrunken sofa into the middle of the room so that Wayne can see them when he enters. And good thing that they moved it too, I'm thinking, because he comes in and doesn't see anything at first and goes to sit down and probably would have squished them all. Uh, and I love too, when they're moving the sofa, we see this like giant dead house fly. Like, <laughs> These are for like that one shot, and then probably it's the same dead house fly they use in the roof of P. But just the fact that like someone had to build that thing, and it looks so good. This is the part where the machine is like swiveling around because Joe Johnson said put it on a swivel, and it's like going nuts, like trying to find the next thing to shrink. And as it's doing so, the baseball falls off, hits like a big power switch, turns everything off. And so as soon as Wayne walks in the room, he has no idea the machine's been turned on. Everything looks, looks normal to him. It looks like how, how he left it. He doesn't know what the dog's talking about. Until he and, and I was kind of jumping ahead until he goes and sits on the and he still doesn't really understand what's going on. He's just like, what, How is my couch gone? Yeah, and it, yeah, and we see the kids jumping and trying to scream to get his attention. Tries to sit down and then it falls. It's like an earthquake and it knocks the kids all to the ground, which is great. And the music here too is sad. And uh, Amy's cry of 
dad uh always kind of uh gets me in more recent viewings because it has it's like she's upset and it has this undertone of like please hear me dad desperation yeah desperation just in that one dad like she's about ready to break it's just like it gets to me these days they realize they are far too small and he can't hear them yeah and then what does he see like the whole in the window and he goes over to, or he does he, and he finds the baseball too and mildly perturbed. And then he bangs his head on something yeah, down. He, and then that's the straw that broke the camel's back. He just goes off. Yeah. Starts he's already, ripping he's stuff. Already lamenting about it. He's like, God, what a fucking day. And then he bangs his head. Was that the line? No. Uh, so- <laughs> The line is, uh, what is it? Uh, he, yeah, he goes over. He doesn't find the baseball right away. He just sees the broken window. And he's like, I don't believe this. What a day. And that's when he backs up and bashes his head. And he's like, he looks at the machine and says, this is all your fault. And talks about how he's, I wasted five years and basically like ruined his marriage for this thing that this doesn't work. And as he's getting ready to smash his when the kid's like, no, dad, no, it works. Please don't. And yeah, as they beckon to scream and stop, uh, he starts smashing away. Yeah, and like the parts are flying around them too, aren't there? Like more, uh, more fun shots on that miniature set. Yeah, giant components. screws and like microchips are flying off of the machine as Wayne smashes it apart. It's great. He soon realizes what a mess he's made and tells the dog to stay away as he then grabs the broom that Nick brought up to the attic and starts sweeping the floor only to inadvertently sweep up the kids and eventually throw them in the trash. But yeah, the, the giant broom and uh, dustpan in this sequence are absolutely fantastic and terrifying. Yeah, that, that giant is. broom coming at them is great. Yeah, and Quark is just kind of standing ar- along, just watching all this helplessly. And yeah, the kids get taken out with the garbage about 30 minutes into the movie. Almost exactly, I, I yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed too, like when they're when they tear open the garbage bag and peer out into the jungly backyard, the, uh, the Horner score does kind of a, yes, that's, a that's willow. the little part. The yes. Yes. Knockmar army kind of. It's the, is the music that plays as uh, general kale dies. Yes. And it even has like that, that little pan flute, little, Oh yeah, that's uh, that's great. I, uh, I, again, I could remember certain portions like sounded like Willow, but I couldn't remember what parts. That's a part that yeah, for sure sounds soon as like they Willow. See that jungle is. There's one that comes up later that's very Rocketeer esque that he used later on with Rocketeer as well. Yes, I think I noted that one too. The kids are debating out what they're supposed to do. Ron's just like Russ. We're supposed to be going fishing. I'm going home. Yeah, how, Ron. How are is... you going? Is bait. <laughs> Ron is living in a world of denial right now. He is like this no, no, no. We're going fishing. We're not this is this isn't real. We're just let's go home. We can just go home and it's gonna be fine. I'm never going back to your house. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh slide down the giant blade of grass, which then they had made so I was lucky enough to go to Disney World at some point when I was in high school, but we got to go to like Disney Studios where they had like the big like Honey Ash with the Kids mm-hmm. walkthrough area where there was like a grass slide, there was a, a statue of Auntie you could get your photograph taken on, and this like giant spiderweb thing that was like a, a maze of ropes where you could like climb and like 
move around through. It was really fun. Yeah, we also went when I was in high school and walked through that area. I was a little, I was a little too big to to partake in some of them, but it was fun to just walk around and see all of the all of that stuff. So Ron doesn't want to go home, and Russ is like, you know, no, we're gonna stick together. You're gonna let a girl tell you what to do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of his journey. He's yeah. he's gonna go on a on a on, he's gonna change. He'll he'll see he'll see he'll see the light eventually. And I love Russ. Like you know, what we're done here, gonna do is I say, and then they hear this big screeching and flapping noise. Run! And then they all hide under this giant <laughs> mushroom, only to see it was just a monarch butterfly. What a cool sound effect, and it was quite a terrifying sound. No, no, for sure. But yeah, I just love that. Like, yeah, like the idea that a butterfly could make terrifying wing noises, like a giant dragon in the sky, but it's just a, a butterfly that weighs nothing. I think that's that must be the point. Like something harmless, like a butterfly, can sound terrifying and can frighten you that much. Okay, we better be on guard because there's going to probably be worse things than butterflies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a really cool sequence. I love the mushroom that they hide under. And we mentioned before, like I, I, it's um, it's awesome how Russ takes charge. I love yeah. I love how he becomes the boss down here. No, it's but it's more so when he takes to action. Like right now, he isn't really in charge. They just kind of all like they even kind of all laugh at him. Like yeah, sure, we had to run away from the butterfly. Thanks, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> well, action. You're right. Actions speak louder than words. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of just spoken it. And you're right. Yeah, but it it will come to be. Yeah. Nick pulls out, I wrote, a giant calculator from his pocket. (laughs) And it calculates that based upon the size of that butterfly, that they are probably about a quarter of an inch tall, around 64 feet from their house, which equates to about 3.2 miles, which really shouldn't take them that long. But I guess... No, that's what I thought. They're they're also like, it's not not like a paved street they're walking on. It's it's a rough terrain. And they, basically. and they do keep running into obstacles. Like they keep getting stopped in certain ways. So at the same point, it's like, yeah, they probably could have made it if the bee hadn't happened. Yeah, they probably could have made it if the lawn hadn't, the sprinklers hadn't gone off. Like there are things that have slowed them down. <laughs> so you're right. Yeah. I, I but, give them a but, break. But when he initially said three miles, I was like, <laughs> I was like, so that, that'll take you what? Two <laughs> hours <miles>? tops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more cool matte paintings I wrote and that this movie is yeah. in that rare form of special effects where it's like the end of the eighties going into the nineties where just stop motion was like at its peak matte paintings were just being done so well. It's just, it's spectacular filmmaking here. I love a good matte painting. <laughs> matte paintings. I, I really miss that. It, 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 it's, it, 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 it misses the, the, the current movies miss something without it. That was one of James Cameron's first jobs in movies was like doing matte paintings and building sets. He was really, yeah. Again, he has said like, you know, I did everything behind the scenes before I became a filmmaker, which is true. He did paintings. He did set building. He did lighting. He did tons of stuff, but yeah, like some of the matte paintings in like escape from New York were his, uh, some of them in battle beyond the stars, which is a Roger Corman film were his, he, he built some of the ships for that as well. That's awesome. I knew he, he'd done a lot, but I just, I guess I never really thought about, oh, Matt Paintings and James Cameron. That's very cool. So soon enough, uh, what, Mrs. Zelinsky, what's her name, Diane? Yes, Diane. Uh, she comes home. She meets Wayne. They kind of make up a little bit. He says, you know, things are going to be different around here. I'm going to get my old job back. Uh, this, this whole dream I've had is a mess. Let's start being happy again. 
uh, where are the kids? And he's like, I guess they went to the mall because they're not here. And oh, you know what's weird? My thinking couch is missing. That one in the attic? We see the kids wandering a bit more. We run across one of Nick's toys, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I love that Russ screams and everyone else laughs at him. Uh, and then they come across a river in the backyard. Why is there a river in your yard? <laughs> <laughs> dog pee? Yeah, and then that's what they figure out. It's probably a river of dog piss. And hey, how are we going to cross it? If we had some rope, we could make a log bridge. If we had some logs. <laughs> <laughs> And then they see like this disgusting dead bug float by in its own juices. That's a really cool effect. Really, I, I imagine gnarly. that's the same fly they had in the attic. They just reused it here. That model, that big oh, oh yeah, bug. Most fascinating lines to uh, have a ball, baby. I don't know why, but I, I've I've said that I've I've quoted that line before, and I, that's a weird, too <laughs> weird line. Because Ron says, like, hey, you know, it's not that deep. Let's swim it. And Amy's like, I'm not going to swim in that. And Nick's like, basically saying, you can go ahead if you want to. Have a ball, baby. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> as, he's, as he's looking at the dead bug. Yeah, have a ball, baby. I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then Nick, in looking at the big river of urine, realizes we can ride Cork back to the house. And we can call him. Dogs have great ears. We can whistle, and he'll come right for us. Yeah, Russ and he, he had, no, that's right, yep. You just put your lips together and blow. Which I had to look up. I knew it was a, from a famous movie. It's from a, it's a line made famous by Lauren Bacall in the movie To Have and To Have Not from 1944 with Humphrey Bogart. You know how to whistle, don't you? You just put your lips together and blow. <laughs> uh, I, I knew that was a, a bogey movie. I forgot it was Bacall. Bogey and His Bacall. real life wife, yep. We see Mrs. Zelensky calling the homes of the kids' friends. No one has seen the kids. Have you checked next door at the Thompsons? They'd rather be in school. And then uh, Wayne lets Quark out of the house as the dog can hear the kids whistling. And then this is where Nick, Russ, and Ron decide to climb a flower in the yard in order to see Quark over the tall grass to see when he's coming. This is the point where Spike, the Thompsons' cat, the bully comes mm -hmm. over, jumps the fence, and chases Quark off. So they, they can no longer, their plan has been thwarted. I, I just love this dialogue, so I wrote it down. Oh, no. What? It's that stupid cat of theirs. The cat is not stupid. Well, it just chased Quark away. Well, it's Russ's stupid cat. <laughs> 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 and then, yeah, so like this flower they're on starts swaying too hard with all three boys on it. Uh, it causes Nick to fall off of the one flower into the pollen of another one. And then this and we've is... mentioned his allergies. We've, yeah. we've kind of alluded to that before. Nicky, you're allergic to pollen. And then he says, it's, don't worry, it's too big. I can't even breathe it in. <laughs> and then he sneezes. And then he sneezes. <laughs> then Mrs. Thompson and Mrs. Zelinsky kind of like have a quick hello, both like agreeing that like, oh, your kids are missing too. Oh, that's weird. Oh, they'll show up sooner or later. Yeah, I don't think these two uh, really connect usually. So this is. I'm sure uh, they're. I'm sure between the two neighbors, these two are like the most polite to each other. Like they, I'm they've sure, exchanged yeah. a recipe. They they've they've shared a cocktail over the fence at least once. It's the it's the husbands that are butting heads, and the wives are probably just oh, okay, okay, yeah. whatever. Mrs. Zelinsky starts calling for the kids, and like it sounds like mom. And then Amy says, "No, that sounds more like a swarm of." 
<laughs> yep, so Nick gets picked up by a bee. And then here's Russ jumping into action, yeah, taking I, it upon himself to, to jump on the bee as well. Yeah, he just instinctively jumps onto his back and helps Nick get out of the, the sticky pollen. Like He's basically stuck up to the bee's legs with the rest of the pollen. Because uh, the bee's just doing its thing, just getting pollen. Nick just gets pulled yeah. up into it. And then Russ, yeah, jumps on his back and helps pull him up. But it's too late. The bee's flown off. And here we have the great bee scene. Oh, it's, it is great. What a fantastic sequence. <clears throat> Stop motion animation, little miniatures of the, of the, of the boys. Mm-hmm. And then even the really big bee. There's, there, there are certain shots where it's them on right. a big mechanical bee that's bouncing around with them like on a rear projection or a blue screen. I hate to say it, that sequence now with CGI probably could be a little bit better. But at the same time, it I like the feel of it more this way. I think it I was, honestly... It, I think if it was CGI, it would feel too fake. You're probably right. It, 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 you're definitely right. CGI would do it better, but I, I think it would be too too clean. I, I, this is just, this, mm-hmm. this is perfection for me. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's one thing too. Like the bees moving around so quickly, like the boys are like almost constantly disoriented. They, by the end, by the time they land, they're like, I think we're still in your yard because the grass is taller yeah. than anyone else's, but I'm not that's positive right. that we're even here. That's see Siskel's Siskel Siskel didn't like the dialogue in this movie, but that's some great dialogue there. I, I love that. That okay, I think we're in the same yard because because it's nobody else's lawn is as long as yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really cool too. I love like how Nick is dangling during the sequence too, and just Russ is hanging on to him. Mm-hmm. Very very thrilling. Yeah, hanging on to the tufts of this little bee. This is like the first real danger the kids are put in, and it's just thrilling. The bee and the boys go near their fathers. Wayne grabs Ron's baseball bat from the porch and begins swinging at the bee, and somehow hits it enough that it crashes, but it doesn't kill the kids. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they both go flying off. And then Wayne kind of realizes, wait a second, Nick doesn't play baseball. Why is this in my yard? And then he goes to investigate the attic because he saw the broken window. That's a That's a nice little sequence him putting the pieces together i like that yeah i like it. i i love that we already know the the answer to his mystery but like he's slowly figuring it out and we're like just they're like come on wayne get <laughs> to, figure it out man <laughs> it's like a great episode of columbo mm-hmm. <laughs> we know the mystery we're just it's fun watching him figure it out so you, you say he you never been to mexico but then what's that sombrero doing in the backseat of your car one more thing <laughs> We see a bit of Ron and Amy bickering, which is basically their whole dynamic in the movie. It's cliche, but it works for what it is. They don't like each other, but they all have to kind of rely on each other at this point in order to keep moving. Yeah, it's it's still, it's building up that journey. They don't really have an arc either, except by the end, like, he's just less of a dick to her. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. They yeah. don't like each other, and then by the end, they respect each other. Yeah. Wayne gets to the attic and he sees the baseball on the floor in the corner. When he goes to pick it up, uh, he steps on what was his chair. And then he also finds the shrunken couch and then realizes, oh no, the kids are probably down here too. Uh, as he's looking around, he then is like crawling and then he goes face first into the, to the broom and realizes he must have swept <laughs> them up and throw them out with the trash. And then this is that musical sting uh, that's from the Rocketeer or at least used later in the Rocketeer because he goes outside he sees the thing and it's like a ba-ba-bum, 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 ba-ba-bum. 
And does it have kind of that spooky organ in there too? Isn't I think there so. Some yeah. Of that in there. Yeah. But yeah, just just that like ba 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 is used in the Rocketeer for like transition music. I definitely remember. Uh, we cut to the alley with the garbage bags, and Wayne has found the hole where the kids cut their way out, and he now understands that they are somewhere in the backyard. Where then mm-hmm. he uh, comically has to walk along the fence to avoid stepping on the kids. <laughs> and then of course the Thompsons happen to happen to see him <laughs> climbing yeah. awkwardly across the fence. Uh huh. as they continue to endlessly pack for their trip yeah again this is where we see him with the water skis and it's like you're either going fishing (laughs) or you're going water skiing because if you go water skiing you're going to scare all the freaking fish (laughs) and when are you going to have time to microwave all of those microwavable dinners yeah aren't you fishing so you can eat the fish why are you bringing along microwavable meals and like they've got like microwave and then like another kind of convention oven and geez just these guys more of ron and amy bickering or ron's like you know we're gonna sue your dad and blah 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 and she's like well my dad's machine is fixed we're gonna be so rich you're gonna regret this and he's like uh amy you know i always liked you and your brother (laughs) (laughs) cha-ching he's here in dollar signs uh and then we get wayne's first attempt at walking around the backyard without trying to step on the kids where he's on crutches that he's made into stilts and he's wearing a helmet with uh, binoculars affixed so he can look straight down into the grass. I think he's a, I think he's a very impressive little inventor. Uh, he's got to come up with something quick, and he just threw this together with stuff that he had around the house. Mm-hmm. And just kudos to Rick Moranis for being able to walk on stilts. Have you ever tried that? Yeah. It's freaking hard. It is. You're right. You're right. As Wayne is walking on these stilts, one of them gets caught on the hose that's in the in the yard still because their yard's a mess and uh, as he's trying to walk it starts pulling on the hose and finally it turns on the sprinkler system and then we get this amazing sprinkler sequence like the music in this sequence and just the special effect of the water droplets bursting on the ground which did you read about how they did that no no please tell so it, it was like puddles of water mixed with like gelatin and like silicone so it had like that kind of viscous look to it because they're supposed to be very small if it was just water it would look like water splashing but they wanted to look like it was giant water droplets so it had to have this like viscous kind of look i was wondering how they this is wonderful and then they would blow it up with an air cannon underneath so a lot of times if you're paying attention you'll see the the water shoot up and then you'll see a little like of like gas still escaping like kind of the same thing they use when uh they had the the semi truck flip in the dark night they had that air oh, cannon, yeah. and you can the see piston. the air cannons like blowing out air as it flips over it's those kind of air cannons and you can still see sometimes like of extra air coming out at the end wow that yeah i uh, watching it i i was curious too because the to make it to make water look scale right mm-hmm. it, it it wouldn't look right if it was normal to, to make those big droplets so that yeah i was curious very cool yeah, uh, water is one of those really hard things to do in a different scale. Like oftentimes when like you could see like a movie has been shot in a in a tank, it's because it, you know, water doesn't, it's just, it's, yeah, it's hard to fake water. It's really hard mm-hmm. to fake water, especially with size. And yeah, it, it's, even if you go the opposite way, if you have like a miniature ship and you're trying to make the ocean, you'd have to slow down and probably add something to the water to make it 
froth the right way. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy, crazy special effects. Again, just done by CGI now. They, they would probably just do these water droplets with CGI now. And it would look terrible. Yeah, it wouldn't look the same. That's, no. that's, that's a very cool effect, the way that they do it here. But yeah, uh, it's a terrifying sequence if you're, uh, you know, these kids running around. Finally, uh, oh, the Amy... sound effect, the sound effect. Sorry to cut oh, you yeah. off, but the no, sound that... effect of the droplets the... is really, really a cool design. Yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, it's like, yeah, giant shells of water dropping from the sky. It's great. Yeah, um, like bombs. Mm hmm. Amy and Ron get to this large stone on the yard and try to get underneath one of its ledges to avoid the water. And as they're hiding, Amy spots Russ and Nick also running towards the rock. She quickly runs to the edge to yell for her brother, like, oh, my God, Nick, we're right here. But, of course, their droplet falls right behind her and knocks her over the edge. She falls probably you know, 20 feet into some very shallow water. Yeah, and I'd say three stories. Something three or like four stories, yeah. Yeah, pretty high up there. But we understand it's very shallow water because the sprinklers have only been on for a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's probably only about maybe three or four feet Unless deep. it's the Pea River. Gross. But, uh, <laughs> I love Amy's screams, by the way. She's, she has a couple screams in this movie. She, she's got a good scream, yeah. yeah. It's a little Tarzan-ish. <laughs> oh, yeah, when she falls, yes. <laughs> yeah, so Russ sees that Amy has fallen and that she's not moving, so he tells Nick to go where Ron is. Russ jumps onto this broken leaf, slides down a great little sequence. Fucking Russ. R yeah, Russ Sorry. is stepping it up and being like, <laughs> he just, again, it's just instant with him. I don't think he's even, yeah, yeah. he's like, you go over there, jump. He just jumps into a thing and heads into the water. And Somebody's got to do this and it's me. Searching for her under the water. Finally, he finds her. She's unconscious. He gets her up onto the ledge. Wayne, at this point, has been able to turn off the sprinklers, thank God. <laughs> Borsteins have arrived too, and they're walking on the grass. And he's like, "Get off the grass! Get off the grass!" Russ does find her. The, he gets her up onto the rock, and he gives her CPR, saving her life. Every time I watch this sequence, like this sequence, gets me like worked up and like emotional. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It, the music is one huge part of it. It it really is. The music starts it all because once he turns on the sprinkler, like we see the knob twist. And then the very first thing we see is like from Amy's point of view, the sprinkler, like this giant piston raises up into the air. And like, that's, that's when the music kicks in. Like, and she's just like, Oh no. Oh, it's great. That's a, thank you for pointing out that shot too. What a great, great shot of that sprinkler head coming up. Cause yeah, for us, it's like, Oh, it's just, it's, it's a sprinkler turned on the, the smallest, most inconsequential thing in the world to them. No, it's death from above. Yeah, they, they, the way that they, the angle that it's shot from, it looks like, a, I don't know, like a nuclear warhead missile taking off. I was watching a YouTube video before we started recording today about like someone's uh, first time watching this. And uh, while he's giving her CPR and he's just, you know, breathing into her, the person was like, you need to give her chest compressions if she's, if she's not breathing. I go, no, you don't. <laughs> if their heart is stopped, <laughs> their heart you give chest compressions. If they are still breathing, you just give them air. <laughs> if you try and pound on their chest with their heart's beating, you're going to fuck that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, break their ribs. I love it even like when Nick tries to get close, he's just like, nope, you got to get out of my way. I'm, oh, yes. I have to do, start doing this immediately. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Get out of here. Get back yeah. up. And he saves her, and um, it's really, really beautiful. And yeah, like Nick and her hugging, like that makes me cry too. 
Just because yep. I've got sisters, and like if that if I ever like had to witness my sister drown in front of me, I don't know what the fuck would happen. Oh, oh, agreed. Yes, and also I think this is where Amy starts looking at little Russ with a different perspective. Yeah, more so when he explains how <laughs> how he uh, learned CPR, which we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love the I love the look that she shoots him, that little smile. Or is that right about there? Yep. Uh, I think it might be coming up. I think you're... Yeah, it's coming up. It's coming up. Um, but here we see Wayne is now in his hammock uh, flying over the yard, counterbalanced mm. by a large tube TV. And this is where then Big Russ has his buddy stop by who is going to be going on the fishing trip with the family in his RV. And he's there with his wife and their dog. The wife is a woman from Twin Peaks. And her great line, Honey, that man <laughs> over there is flying. Sure, Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> the foresters. <laughs> so Big Russ has to let Don down, uh, despite the $80 deposit, but he, he blames it on May's plumbing. Which I, as a kid, didn't understand what that meant. I thought it was like they actually had plumbing issues. In the That's house. what like, I thought, too. <laughs> like, finally, uh, the foresters leave. They close the door and... Eighty bucks, May, non-refundable. Those kids are grounded. And I had to look it up. How much is eighty bucks worth today? It's about one hundred and twenty dollars. So it's not. Oh, not too, a, not too bad. It's not a ton of money, but I mean, like, if you're a construction guy who you know probably you know pays your bills pretty well, but maybe doesn't have a lot of excess cash, the idea of spending an extra one hundred twenty dollars for a special fishing spot on a particular lake you want to go to, and then not being able to do that, it's like, god damn it. So we see the kids are kind of cleaning up themselves uh, in the mud puddles that are left. Russ has now saved both Nick and Amy from certain death, I wrote. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this is yeah, where Amy wants to have a truce mm-hmm. with Ron and then apologizes. Uh, but then rather than like <laughs> really giving an apology, she rubs mud in his hand. <laughs> for being a little asshole, I will forgive you, but fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tries to bury the hatchet, but then continues the the feud. <laughs> and this is where they realize that they're about halfway home as they're on the flat stone in the middle of their yard. Mm-hmm. And this is the French class line, too. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Where did you learn artificial respiration? French class, kid. French class. <laughs> okay. And then, yeah, a- Amy then gives him a look like, what? You were doing Naughty. what now? Naughty. Yeah. <laughs> Were you giving me the tongue when I was unconscious? <laughs> Russell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Russell. <laughs> then as they decide to leave, which again, I, I didn't say this is this awesome set of the, the flat stone. Like, you know, it's just like all like foam that they had to like cut into and paint to make it look like rocks. And it really does. It's just, it does these, look cool. These sets are so good. But of course, just as they leave, Wayne passes over them, and of course, he missed them. He can't see them. Oh well. That's a fun shot too. And it's a nice uh, Star Wars wipe because his hammock then <gasps> wipes the screen. It's a Star Wars wipe. <laughs> you called it. Nice, <laughs> nice. You're you're a Star Wars nerd. No, I am. Just not like some other nerds. <laughs> not like me. The kids, of course, are now walking, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so hungry. I could eat a truck." Or, or yeah, <laughs> what is it? Or uh, a corn dog the size of a truck. Ron, if you did see a corn dog, it would be the size of a truck. <laughs> <laughs> and then they find the Mikey biggest. Oh yeah, 
I already ate all of mine. But uh, yeah, this was uh, on set. The cookie was 10 feet tall with real cream filling. <laughs> Did they say what the actual like cookie material was that they had in their hands that they were eating? Or was it just like, I mentioned it was like cake or something. Yeah, it probably was. I couldn't find that. All I know is that the, the cream was real, or at least mm. the outer layer of it. I'm sure. Well, they had to, yeah, they're wiping out, they're eating it and all kinds of stuff. Um, but just as they're devouring one of Nick's cookies, how long that, how long has that cookie been in the yard, man? That's my question. <laughs> did, well, he, did, he, did he just drop sense. it this morning? I, I, I'd be fine if he just dropped it that morning. If it's been out there overnight, I don't know about eating that cookie, man. <laughs> if you're desperate, though. That's true. I would, uh, it, yeah, I'd be pretty low blood sugar at that point. So I'd, I'd, I'd dig into a week old oatmeal cream pie. It left outdoors in the rain. <laughs> the, oh. way, the rain probably would have softened it up a little bit. Though, Ooh. So. Uh, but as they're eating uh, from on top of the cookie appears an ant. And they all kind of run and hide as the ant and then crawls down and starts eating the cookie itself. Then uh, they're all kind of like, well, it's, it's our cookie. We should fight for it. It's just one ant. When's the last time you saw just one ant? <laughs> Which is a good question. <laughs> I, I, I like this part too, how Ron, Ron is the first one. He's like, we should fight for our cookie. And then that inspires Nick. And he's the one who's like, well, we should try and catch the ant and use it for transportation. Mm-hmm. And then that gets Russ on board. So now it's the three, the three boys. <laughs> and Amy's like, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> Yeah, and but yeah, the the, the life size ant they have is really impressive. That stop motion ant stuff is just as impressive. But yeah, it's this great yeah. sequence where the boys like are trying to jump on the ant and ride it like a bucking bronco. And uh, and the behind the scenes, I saw it actually was like those like you know machine bull. the mechanical bull. Yes, sorry, I can think of it. It was they put the ant on top of the mechanical bull frame. Is that urban cowboy? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think of that more than anything that makes me think of the wedding singer where uh his buddy is asking Adam Sandler, it's like, you know, you wanna happen to guys like Fonzie and Vinnie Barbarino? I heard uh Fonzie wants to direct and Barbarino I, the mechanical bull movie? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that one. That's a good movie too. <laughs> but yeah, so then after the boys all try to ride the ant like a wild bull. Amy just grabs a piece of the cookie and decides to get the ant to follow her. And I like, and, I like how Horner's music, by the way, when the boys are trying to get on the ant, that we get some kind of like wild west. It's very wild Bronco. west. Yeah, like very just classic western. Yep. Kind, of that, yep. kind of like that, yeah. Like they're trying to break a wild horse. Yeah. Hey, your sister's not bad for a girl. Of course. <laughs> for a girl of course she's she's not bad at all yeah i love how she didn't want anything to do with this operation and she was the one person to have success but now she's like the, the ants following her she's like come on guys help yeah. i love her i love her please we get a quick a little light-hearted comedy sequence with quirk uh pulling on the rope that has the counterbalance for wayne twisting them all up and then finally letting them go where he spins around like in a giant centrifuge and gets launched across the way into the Thompson's pool as Mrs. Yeah, Thompson's on the phone calling a police report. Kind of a weird sequence. It's cute. Doesn't, it's cute for kids. It's cute. I guess it's just that's I, I couldn't really figure out its purpose. No, it, it's, um, it's, it's preventing Wayne from finding the kids sooner because now he's got to yeah. like 
get out of the pool and get dressed. Like it's just, it's slowing him down from finding them. And it's a cute visual gag with some fun special effects of the sped up, like under cranked spinning of Wayne. <laughs> and then we see more Thompson's reacting to, Oh, that crazy Wayne. Yeah. Flew into our pool this time. Great Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Where was their pool, too? I didn't see their pool. I wondered really. that this time, too. I was like, I was keeping an eye out for their pool that he supposedly yeah. flies into. I never have seen that they had a pool. But uh, then, yeah, we see the Thompsons. Uh, May is calling the police about the missing kids. Mm-hmm. And then we see the kids are now riding with the ant. They've built like a little rig that's dragging Nick, Russell, and Amy in the back while Ron is sitting on a, kind of a saddle holding a long pole that has a piece of the cookie. And they're doing the whole thing of like, you know, you dangle a carrot in front of a donkey and the donkey will walk. They're dangling the cookie in front of the ant. The ant will walk. Simple, but uh, genius for these kids to to, uh, use that. Ron's talking about how he's bummed that he's not going to go camping with dad. But Russ points out like, hey, man, this is better than camping. We're like on a safari right now. Ron's like, hey, yeah, you're right. Mrs. Zielinski arrives home after not finding the kids at the mall. And she also, call, she also calls the police to report her two missing children. Doesn't She sees the police car parked outside the Thompsons. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, uh, I'm going to go call for the kids. If I don't get any response, I'm calling the cops too. And then we have the Thompsons and the police scene, which I wanted to again mention that the female officer is the mother from Better Off Dead and Chainsaw's mom from Summer School. Two great <laughs> 80s movies that I absolutely adore. The police kind of say, well, until, they, until something else happens, we'll, we'll let you know. They get in their car and they see they have another report for more missing kids. And that's just next door. Okay, weird. And it's cool, too. I like if you look carefully on their monitor in the police car, it says that there's the previous record is 12 counts of disturbing the peace. Oh, God. The Zelenskis have had Well, Thompson, I bet bet Big Russ is, in particular, has called in. Probably so. Um, so then we see Wayne coming downstairs from the attic now with a more improved helmet that has now giant mm. headlights on it. And his wife kind of stops him like, what are you wearing? He's like, well, uh, <laughs> first let me show you this. This is the couch from upstairs. And I said I couldn't find it. I found it. It's, it's miniaturized. And she's like, oh my God, you're telling me the machine works? Yeah, it works. Do the kids know? Well, yeah, the kids know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> And then he says, uh, it's, it's not as great as you think. I shrunk them accidentally along with the kids next door. And then I threw them out with the trash. They're somewhere in the backyard right now. <laughs> and I love that just stream of just spitting it out, just getting it all out. No, and um, I, I love her like grabbing him like, what? And then freezing in place as he says, like, because the, do- the doorbell rings and he's like, I'll get it. And he just like pries his hands up from hers and she's just frozen there. <laughs> And then, yes, this is when the police are like, did you report some missing children staring at his weird headpiece? And he's like, oh, no, no. Our kids are in the backyard. Right, honey? (laughs) (laughs) And then his wife faints in front of the police, and he just closes the door and says, goodbye. And then the police do nothing. I said, worst cops ever. (laughs) I I like his little, he kind of like chuckles too. He's like, (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) I don't know. And then I also wanted to note, too, this is obviously where we get the title of the movie from, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we've mentioned some of the other titles for this movie. Yes. Uh, Teeny Weenies. When it was being shot, it was being shot under the name Teeny Weenies. And then a couple other ones, Grounded, The Big Backyard. Uh, that could have worked, but it's not as, for some reason, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids just like, it just tells you right away what you're in for. Yep. It's magical. It's just 
again serendipitous use use i think that's part of the success of the movie they 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 landed on the proper title and that was a funny thing too with the the video i watched of the woman viewing it for the first time when she first saw ron and nick go into the attic and they hear that zap and then they Mm. scream she was like oh my god where did they go they go to another dimension she she had an accent so i'm doing an accent and then like later when russell and nikki or when amy get shrunk She's like, oh, I am such an idiot. Oh, my God. The, the title told me what the movie is, and I was thinking they got sucked into another dimension. What an idiot I am. <laughs> but uh, the sun's going down in this backyard, and Ron decides they need to stop for the night and set up camp. Uh, he stops and he feeds the ant and decides to let it go. They try to pull a lassie to let it go home, but uh, the ant wants to stay with Ron because they're friends now. You mentioned before the, uh, on Disney Plus, the prop, what's the prop? Prop culture. Uh, Prop culture. And they have a a segment where they bring the kids back, the adult, now adult kids. And all that, unfortunately, all that's, all that remains of Auntie now is the skeletal head, Mm -hmm. basically the the metal innards. But it was really touching to see, they, they really genuinely reacted to this, to seeing it. And then I, I think there was a funny line that uh, the wo- the woman said. She's like, I was scared for Jared. Like, you know, this was his, his beloved pet who died. Like, I was feeling we should give him some space for a second before we came over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see Mr. and Mrs. Zelensky are now both in harnesses, kind of counterbalancing each other, uh, looking for the kids. Mr. Thompson comes out and sees them and kind of gives a, like, shake of a head. Like, okay, you weirdos, whatever you're doing, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> he has his cigarette finally and then he flicks his butt into the Zelensky's yard which nearly hits the kids it's a quick cigarette too it takes some he's got that thing gone in a matter of seconds <laughs> as yeah. some some film editing there but the kids are kind of like what is that and the rust and ron know exactly what it is you know he told us he quit well i guess he started up again no he only smokes when he's really worried about something and then the boys kind of share a knowing look like oh shit dad's really worried about us huh that's a cool moment that's that's really nicely written they decide to use the hot embers of the cigarette to make torches for themselves. And I wrote this note, like, that nicotine smoke would have fogged them up. Yes, I thought I was thinking the same thing. These kids would have been puking all over themselves. And let me let me just back up for a second, too. What a dick move for Big Russ to flick that cigarette button to his neighbor's lawn. What yeah. a fucking jerk. He's Sorry. got the long okay. grass. He's never going to find it. Flick. Well, you know, and he can't, he can't put a butt out on his property because then his wife's going to find it. He, oh, okay. Yeah, he can't, he right. can't keep an ashtray. His wife's going to know you're he's right. been smoking. But Gotta man, destroy the evidence, still... Mikey. Mrs. Zelensky then can hear the Thompsons fighting in their house, and she says, you know, Wayne, we have to tell them what's going on. And then the and cr- she pulls the release cord. Yeah. Which is like, come on, Diane. Think, like, you don't want to squish your kids. Now we're in the Zelensky attic where Wayne is explaining to the Thompsons that Mm. I have been working on this machine and this machine shrinks things. Look in this microscope. You'll see that here's my sofa that used to sit over there. I think it's the machine that has shrunk the kids and the kids are in the backyard. And again, just big Russ and his male aggression, just uh, still every, it seems like every sentence pisses him off so it's some doll furniture big deal you can find that stuff at swap mates (laughs) are you saying you blew up my kids 
what's the setup for that? And she's like, why didn't you tell us earlier? Well, before the kids, the machine would just blow things up. Are you saying that machine blew up my kids? No, no, no. If the machine blew up the kids, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. <laughs> Wayne tries okay. his best to explain. Like, he's like, I don't know how it happened. Somehow the machine did work. This sofa is shrunk, and I'm 100% certain the kids are also shrunk, and I have somehow thrown them away in the backyard. But Russ will not listen threatens Wayne, I have got an air hammer in my head. And if you did do something to my kids, there's going to be pieces of you all over the neighborhood. Well, that went well. I think we should have them off over more often. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect button to the scene. We see Russ again calling the cops, kind of yelling at them like, you know, do your job and find my kids. And May kind of says, I thought you didn't believe the cops and that the kids ran away. He's like, I don't believe that they did, but I just want them to, I want to be sure. Then we see the kids once again. Nick finds one of his abandoned Legos, another fantastic practical set of this giant Lego that somebody had to build. The hollow circles underneath, and uh, they kind of use those for bunks. Mm -hmm. Boys on top, Amy on the bottom, and then little Russ takes the, takes the ground. He, he's not going to force Amy to share. Wayne and Diane having their little heart to heart in the back porch. While they still have to get mm. their lives back on track, they both want the same thing. They just want to mend their family and be happy again. Am I getting ahead? Is this where Wayne is talking about uh, I need parts for my machine to to repair the machine and he pulls the cat clock off the wall? Yeah, that's, sorry, that, sorry. That's, that starts this that starts this scene. Okay. I, I like that. I like that little detail where he's he's taking stuff from around the house to to get parts to to fix it up. And I like that those types of clocks don't make noise, but his does as he takes it off the wall. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> that was his modification. Diane's worried about the kids and uh, Wayne's like, oh, they'll be fine. They've got the Thompson kids with them. That's another thing I'm worried about. Amy, in the dark with little Russ Thompson. <laughs> they better behave themselves. <laughs> and now we now we get the uh, the nice heart to heart between Amy and Little Russ. Uh, uh, this nice little dialogue scene. Yeah, the, he he laments that his dad picks on him about his size. She even questions like he does. That that sucks. And then she asks him why he never came over before, and he says he always thought she was too popular to notice him. And she actually admits that that's totally true. And that she was and being then, stupid for it. And then pulls him in for a hot kiss. Oh, yeah. I love that she initiates. She's like, get over mm -hmm. here and stick my tongue in your mouth. Mama was right to be concerned. Russ and Amy are kissing, but their love scene is cut short when a giant scorpion appears at their camp trying to eat them all. Which is a little out of place. I think scorpions are more desert dwelling, but I'll go with it. We needed a we needed a big baddie here. No, there, there's somewhere in the Southwest. Like uh, Carmel grew up in Las Vegas, and yes, Las Vegas is a desert. But like I've been there, and like there are yards that have grass in them, and there are scorpions everywhere. So there's somewhere in the Southwest. They're Maybe just some scorpions around. You know what? I'll go with it. I never faulted it. Um, I stand corrected. So while uh, Russ, Amy, and Nick are able to escape the uh, Lego and get away from the camp, Ron is trapped in the top bunk and can't get out. And the scorpion is just constantly trying to get in there, trying to get him. Uh, Russ and the group kind of come behind the scorpion and throw one of the torches at it which causes it to turn in time for Ron to jump, but he jumps too hard and hurts his knee and can't get up right away. And so the scorpion's about to strike him when finally Auntie comes from around the corner and pulls the scorpion's leg. 
and we get a great Ron scream too. I like <laughs> like whenever Ron screams. <laughs> I can't I can't even do it, yeah. but it's very funny. But yeah, so and then again, this is all Phil Tippett's team. This great sequence between the ant and the scorpion. This scorpion looks and moves so lifelike. It does it's it's a throwback to like the Corman and uh, like those those old horror classics with like the giant the day of the ant or whatever those giant. It, that's what it makes me think of. Um, but I, I, like you said, definitely mastered here. Like, Most it makes me think of um, uh, Ray Harryhausen. And yes, that's what I was trying to say. Like Clash of the Titans or, you know... Uh, oh, yes, no, yeah, in Clash of the Titans, they have giant scorpions. That's what it is. Yeah, he did those too. You're right. I was yes. trying to think. I was like, yes. what's the, I was like, there was an example in Clash of the Titans I was thinking of. What was it? There's a scene where they fight giant scorpions. That's it. Harryhausen was the name I was trying... I, I couldn't come up with, so... Yeah, no, right. when, exactly. when you're like, Roger Corwin, giant bugs, I'm like, well, yeah, he did those, but they were like ugly-ass puppets that were like... <laughs> Big and move slow. <laughs> yes, I, I was. I was trying to say. Uh, and now I want to say Corman again. <laughs> Ray Harryhausen. Harryhausen. Thank you. But uh, have you seen the old fifties movie though? Them that is about giant ants. I th- I've seen clips. I've seen clips. I haven't seen the whole thing. It was. It was one of the first like nuclear testing of made giant insects. Like, but they had done like you know with practical puppets. These like giant ant puppets. And I, I like the, the, the sound effects that they use for those old bugs, too. Like, the, the weird, like, yeah, the, weird the ones, sounds. The ones for them are very, like, high. It sounds more like high-pitched crickets. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just That's really, exactly what I'm, yeah, yep. I remembered it was crickets because I remember uh, hearing an interview with Joe Dante because he had seen them in theaters and that sound, the sound of the ants terrified him. And then, of course, he lived, like, in a rural area and they had crickets in their backyard. And so oh. he would hear that high-pitched thing, and he was like, oh, my God, the ants are going to get me. Yeah, or even, like, the cicadas could probably even kind of have that that kind of sound also. Yeah, imagine the noise of a cicada, but, like, high-pitched. Yep. Oh, no. I, that's exactly what I was talking about when I brought up that sound effect. Yeah, we're same page, buddy. But, yeah, so anyway, back to this uh, yeah. awesome stop-motion fight. Uh, the scorpion and Auntie are fighting. Ron finally gets taken away by his brother, but insists, you know, we have to go back. We have to help the ant because he saved my life. Like, we can't just let him die. And so while they try to fight out the scorpion, of course, it does stick Auntie and then discards him as they scare the scorpion away by throwing sticks at it, little spears and kind of get it in the eyeball. I love that shot right in the eye. And I and another cool shot too is before it actually stabs Auntie, it a really cool like POV shot from the scorpion's point of view almost of like him trying to strike as Auntie's backing up. Oh That's yeah, a really cool that, shot. That low shot, yeah, those are yeah, really cool. Yeah. I love that. They all kind of run over to the ant, and it's like the family dog is dying because they they all like like oh ron's like you know he's gonna be fine he's gonna be okay like re- trying to reassure himself and the ant like everything's okay and then the ant just dies and we all kind of weep yeah i i got a little glassy eyed for sure and then yeah in, in that uh video i watched the woman was like is this is this movie gonna make me care enough about an ant that i'm gonna cry right now and she was like oh my god i'm gonna cry that an ant is dead that's insane they do they they i think that they succeed and then we see that over the night after the attack, Ron has now fortified their camp, same as he had done in their backyard yeah. previously. With yes. Little miniature kind of catapults and crossbows, all with tripwires. It's, it's, I mean, 
how he was able to do that and get sleep, I have no idea, but he did it. <laughs> that's a one I didn't even connect the the callback to the to the scene from the opening. That's that's awesome. Yeah, set up to pay off. Ron knows yep. how to set up traps around a little camp. And I love to like now there's no more sleeping in separate compartments. <laughs> yeah, everyone There's a scorpion out there. We're uh <laughs> Yeah, everyone's in the bottom bunk wrapped in a giant dead leaf it looks like. All the kids go to the bathroom except Nick, he's still snoring. Little little Goonies kind of mo- moment here. Boys to the left, girls to the right. Mm-hmm. Not not exact, but it, it made me made me definitely think of that scene from the Goonies. It did for me too, for sure. Going to the men's room. <laughs> oh, I want to go to the men's room. I want to go to the men's room too. Let's see your brother hang brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick shot of Mrs. Zelinsky finding Wayne asleep, somehow standing up. He's like resting his head on the machine, standing up. He's asleep. And she says, I love you, Wayne Zielinski. And then smash cut to terrifying organ music with Tommy arriving on his skateboard, ready to mow the lawn. (laughs) The snapper mower. Uh, And the kid is really selling how fun this is. He is just having the time of his life mowing this lawn. He's like the person who's playing Mario Kart for the first time and feels they have to lean to the right and lean to the left. (laughs) That's this kid as he's breathing... The, the joystick on this lawn right now. It's like, mm, <laughs> boom, bang. <laughs> he's, he's my little nephew trying to play Gran Turismo, running into the wall as he's taking a turn. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are kind of noticing the ground start to shake and the wind start picking up. And I love Amy's line. Something's very weird here. Earthquake. No worse. Lawnmower. And you can see like their hair just starting to pick up in the breeze. The wind starts kicking up. The kids are running from falling blades of grass that are just coming out of nowhere. Uh, the wheels of the lawnmower itself nearly missing them. They're running, and Nick starts to fly up into the air, and Amy has to hold his hand because he's too small. The wind is blowing him away so much easier than the rest of the kids. Yeah, really neat effect. Uh, and they finally find a tunnel that's been left over from an earthworm, I think, and seek refuse down there nice and safe from Tommy. And honestly, I would feel safe too. Like, okay, great. We're, we're underground now. As long, as long as that earthworm has left his home. Yeah. Like, I don't, don't want to be running into no giant earthworm. We're, the lawnmower can't hurt us down here. We're, we're fine. And then uh, Mr. and Mrs. Zelinsky we see in the attic once again, still working on the machine. And she's like, is that a chainsaw? No, no. It's uh, you know what? It sounds more like our lawnmower. Lawnmower! Yeah. <laughs> and then they... <clears throat> Jump to the window to see Tommy doing his little dance as he's mowing the lawn. <laughs> and then, and we mentioned, should mention too, he's mowing the lawn like an asshole because normally, if you're mowing the lawn, you go in nice up and down straight lines so you know where you've mowed. He is just zigzagging and doing like donuts and whatever the hell he wants in like big circles. I'm like, this is the worst lawn mowing job I've ever seen in my life. If some kid, if it wasn't remote control and some kid was just running around in circles like that with that mower, I would be like, what are you doing, you little shit? <laughs> You're ruining my lawn. He's basically, I don't know if you've ever broken open a piece of wood and seen like a, what a woodworm does, just going mm-hmm. in every which way direction. That's basically what he's doing on this lawn. They run downstairs. They're standing behind him calling his name, but it's that stupid trope that I hate in movies where if someone has headphones on, they can't hear a darn thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, as somebody who often mows lawns, you gotta have you gotta have hearing protection 
and I always, always, 100% of the time have headphones on. But that mower, yeah, you definitely probably would have heard somebody. But I do like how they have to yell his name because they, they don't want to step on the lawn. Mm-hmm. They can't just run and grab him and stop him. They have to try and get his attention. So yeah. they're standing on and, the and, edge yelling. And, and, and I love as soon as he does step close enough to them, they just grab him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as they he finally get his attention, he, of course, lets go of both of the joysticks on the, on the remote control. And so the mower stops where it's at. And where does it stop, Mikey? Right above the earthworm tunnel. Yeah, so it becomes this wind tunnel that begins sucking Nick upwards towards the mower. They all kind of grab hands and become this chain link of kids. I love that Amy's screaming. Yes. Notices yes. notices that her feet are stuck, so she stops screaming. And is like, oh, my feet! I'm gonna grab it on. Screaming! <laughs> <laughs> like, like you'd already stopped. You don't need to go back to it. <laughs> I love Amy's scream. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Tarzan finally, though, they, they do get a hold of Tommy. They turn off the mower. As it's turning off, finally, Amy can't hold on any longer. They get sucked up into it, but luckily, they just get kind of thrown out with the rest of the grass. They get blown across the yard. Perfect timing, too. All mm-hmm. perfect timing. Here, Tommy, take your skateboard and go in through the house. It's safer. The kids are kind of coming, too, like uncovering themselves from all these cut blades of grass. Yeah, and then they're like, they, re- they see like, oh my God, mom and dad are right there. And they try and call them. Russell even whistles. Oh, he whistles because he can, he just, he can do it now. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. He, oh, he, he figured it out. It's, yeah, it's one of the things I always noticed as a kid. It's like, they're all screaming and Russell's the one that finally goes, and finally gets a whistle oh, out. Oh my God. Holy crap. But I missed some, I missed some nice little things in here. But they, they just walk away and then Ron starts having a panic attack. We were right under their noses. They couldn't even see us. They were going to find us. And then uh, that's when uh, Nick then <laughs> starts kind of also panicking, but he's panicking because <laughs> here comes Quark's nose sniffing up on them. <laughs> it's a cool, cool shot too. Another yeah. great shot. So they all jump onto Quark's kind of mustache. Go inside, Quark. Find dad. Then Quark, as he runs up, uh, runs into Spike again. Oh, that little Spike. shitty cat. <laughs> Luckily, Quark's got some balls now because he's like, nope, I've got kids with me. Roof. Yeah, Quark even has his own little his own little arc. Yeah, a little <laughs> he's, bit. He's overcome his uh, his his fear of Spike. He gets inside. He jumps up onto the table, and uh, as he's trying to get Wayne's attention, uh, Nick falls from Quark's mustache into Wayne's bowl of Cheerios. Oh yeah, the the, the Cheerios. Uh, this was a tank filled with sixteen thousand gallons of a milk-like substance, and uh, the Cheerios were were made of the inner tubes from tractor tires. Uh, they were 12 feet, yeah, 12 feet in diameter and then mm-hmm. coated in foam. And then carved to look like Cheerios, yep. Yeah. Neat and, effect. Oh, you know, I love all the effects in this movie. It's great. And that's, yeah, quickly Quark lets the other kids off on the table. They're running across the table trying to get Wayne's attention, trying to hope he doesn't eat Nick. And they they do it a couple of times. Like, it's like he takes like a big spoonful, eats it, eats a big spoonful, and Finally, the last time he scoops it up, we know Nick is in his spoon now. Like, Nick's been trying to dodge him, but we can see, nope, he's in that spoonful. And if he eats it, there goes Nick. But luckily, Cork bites Wayne and stops him. <laughs> they do a good job, though. Like, I'm, it, I am on the edge of my seat. I know he's not going to eat his kid, but at the same time, like, those first few bites, he's, like, um, very quick and aggressive. And then by the time Nick is in that bite, uh, he pauses just long enough. But I'm, I'm like, Ugh. 
they do a good job of building that moment. No, and like it's the it's the last kind of moment of death defiance in the movie, and it was featured in all of the trailers. All of the trailers had that thing. Everyone, of like, we just got to keep our eyes open. Don't eat me, mom. It was in yeah. every single trailer. Yeah, I wish they wouldn't have spoiled that moment. Like I said, Quark bites him. He kind of looks down and sees something floating in his food, grabs a magnifying glass, and sure enough, there's Nick inside of his spoon. Nick points to the table and is like, hey, there are the rest of the kids. And uh, now they have the kids. They're going to try and unshrink them. And some awesome shots of uh, Moranis magnified. <laughs> like you see like his lips through the magnifying glass at one point. And oh, yeah. A, a giant eyeball at one point. It's very, very funny. comical. I wish I did that drawing of him with the giant eyeball. That was a fun one. Yes. Yes. Check out our Instagram, folks. Formative underscore films. <laughs> uh, as they're in the attic, uh, they brought the Thompsons back over. The machine is back up and running, but they keep trying to test it to make sure it's going to do the same thing again. But it keeps blowing up apples. What's wrong with it, Mikey? More applesauce. Well, the, the, the baseball, the baseball, they, 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 they forgot that he doesn't know about the baseball. So yeah. luckily the kids... They get the they get the parents' attention and they mime baseball. Like the, one of them pitches, one of them's batting, one of them's catching. They all mime mime out baseball. And who who gets who guesses it right, Justin? It's Big Russ because Big Russ likes sports and like Wayne, Wayne's like swinging, flapping. I don't know what this is. And then uh, Amy like I don't know how Russ can hear it, but Amy goes, "You're out, you're out, baseball." <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah he it, contributes he gets his his moment and then yeah nick explains like dad look at the baseball and sure enough holy smokes this thing's burnt to shit yep, <laughs> and he then sees so, the little laser mark on it he kind of realizes okay so it came into the window it turned the machine and it got in the path of the high-powered laser so the laser is what's causing things to blow up okay great which when you say it like that laser blowing things up duh <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Star Wars, Wayne? (laughs) Uh, But they want to test it on something living before they test it on the kids. So Big Russ says uh, to test it out on him. He takes off his hat and gives it to his wife, and she finds his cigarettes. Naughty, naughty, Ron. Russ. (laughs) I keep on bringing up Arks, but he's he's stepping up at this moment, too, and and becoming a better father and doing this for his kids. Oh, and then that's the thing, too. Like, I just remembered this this particular shot. As he takes his head off, we see a quick close-up of the two boys, like, like looking like, is she going to find it? Is she going to find it? Because they know he's smoking again. And then mm-hmm. she finds that he's smoking again. And she's like, he's like, the kids are like, great. It's all in the open. Dad's dad's even a bit of a fibber himself. I don't, um, does, what is, does May say anything? And she's like, oh, we'll talk about this later. She, she kind of <laughs> shakes them at him and he goes, how oh, those get there? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But yeah, so he gets on this little, uh, little shelf. And I love the line. Just before Wayne fires, no reason it shouldn't work now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> And it's a cool little shot, too, of him shrunken. He almost falls off the edge of what he's sitting on. And they had to build whatever that was, that giant table, giant bolts. They had to build that for that one shot. Like, someone had to spend (laughs) a week or more on that just for, like, 10 seconds or less of footage. Yeah, how many men, how how much manpower? How how many many men died? But yeah, so they shrink him, they unshrink him, and then uh, there's a gag where she hands him back his hat. And then I don't know if it's because the cigarettes are not there or because it's the joke like he's not as big as he used to be. 
you think I that's think what that's, it is? I think he's not quite exactly the same size. Okay. I, I always assumed it was like, oh, the, my hat doesn't fit unless I have cigarettes in there. I guess I got to buy a new hat. You're right. Now that I'm just in dollars, it's like more like, oh, are you sure you got me back to the right size there, Wayne? <laughs> he's a little smaller. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Which is funny because, it, yeah, if he's been hard on his son for being smaller and, oh, no, now you're a little smaller, but Yeah, you'll be a little more humble now. Mm where your son kicks your ass um <laughs> he's lifting weights now but so uh just before the kids turn big they're all kind of holding hands and russ asks amy if she'll go with him to the dance can you dance and he, he kind of like no i can't and she says well that doesn't matter i still like to go with you yeah and then they hold hands and eh, it's a great moment and then uh yeah they unshrink the kids it's and again, this movie ends immediately as soon as they're unshrunken. Like this whole yeah. third act has been all, all about them trying to get back home and all this stuff. Like, nothing else. With credits, I think the movie is an hour and 33 minutes and they get unshrunk at an hour and 28. Yeah, it, it's, it wraps up it's so right quick. It's right there. I was trying to think like, what's the end of act two? The end of act two is the lowest point. So that's when Auntie dies. Is, is the end of Act 2. And then Act 3... I st- didn't think about that. You're right. Act 3 starts the next morning with the lawnmower. They're all like, you know, I'm so proud of you. You, you helped me solve the problem, Wayne says. Big Russ is proud of Little Russ because he's, he's like, you know, yeah, I, I gave her CPR. I jumped in a bee and I saved him. He's like, whoa, dude, that's incredible. I'm a boss now. And then uh, <laughs> Russ uh, offers Wayne his hand in friendship. And that's a nice quick or nice transition first he comes up you're like oh is he gonna is he gonna be upset about something but then he offers his hand and then you see when wayne takes the hand we're now in the kitchen it's however many months later thanksgiving i'm guessing see that's the thing like he just says you know to to the thompsons and to the Zelinskis and many more dinners together it doesn't he didn't say thanksgiving he, like he said like happy thanksgiving so i think this is just like Hey, I've sold my thing. Hey, we're all rich now. Let's like have a lovely dinner together now that we can celebrate. I think this is just a nice dinner. But like they're all dressed up too. It's really unclear. I assumed it was Thanksgiving because they're thankful for now these new friends, the neighbors. They're thankful for getting their kids back. They're thankful for this whole journey that's ended successfully. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really specify, but it's a big meal. And there's a giant bird on the table. Again, I couldn't tell if it was a turkey or a chicken. (laughs) But he's used his his machine to enlarge. He 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 doesn't it doesn't only shrink; it enlarges as well, and that will <laughs> come into play in the sequel. Oh my God! You just <laughs> reminded me of something that uh, Jake and I noticed only as adults watching the Muppet movie. There's a great scene where they first arrive at Bunsen Honeydew's like little ranch, because then at the end we see Animal grabbing the jar and he eats a bunch of them, and then his giant head comes out of the top yeah. of the building. Remember, he saves the day. That giant. Oh animal yeah. Head. It's been such a long, it's been too long. since. But the, the setup for that is like Bunsen has made these pills that make things big. <laughs> a four foot prune, a four foot prune. Hey man, what else do these pills make big? <laughs> <laughs> Would that be Dr. Teeth? <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's not Dr. Teeth. It's, it's, it's the guitar oh, okay. player. With the, the other guy. The, the red mustache. I can't remember his name. Yep. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. Pepper? It's Floyd, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know his last name. Floyd Pepper. I didn't know he had a last name. R- related to Barry Pepper. They have this dinner. Everyone's smiling. Amy and Russ are playing footsie under the table. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <laughs> the, the camera starts doing the, like, the, the little diameter close. 
until Nick says, hey, wait, <laughs> I get it, French class. <laughs> and uh, as a kid watching this, I didn't, I never got that. I didn't know what, I was dumb. <laughs> I don't know if I knew immediately. I think maybe my sister had to explain it to me, but yes, like it was certainly like by the time I saw it a second time, I knew what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while i was slow on that one but yeah nick nick realizes he he was saying he learned how to do that by making out with girls we didn't mention the giant milk bone too i i we got to mention that humans got a giant turkey slash chicken and quark got a giant milk bone yeah and then um i don't think we said at the top like when we were seeing all the different inventions around the house there was like a little machine that quark had where he could like press uh yeah. a lever and get a treat for himself and I think, again, that was something from Prop Master where Joe Johnston was like, not only did I want the machine to have more life, I wanted to see more of like that he's got gadgets around the house. So like that dog thing wasn't in the script until Joe's like, let's get, let's make some inventions. Let's get some more inventions around the house. And that was one of them. That's cool. Yeah, I love the little inventions. And were like the foot pedals on that, were those like the pedals from a piano? Yes, which is a great yeah. detail. Yeah, yeah he, I love that. He, he, he reusing stuff from from other things. That's kind of it for my notes. And I know we skipped this at the beginning. Were there any reviews you wanted to go over for this? The reviews were kind of bland, mostly positive, but just, eh, that's a good movie. Siskel and Ebert were kind of meh. Malton was kind of meh. But Variety had a good one. Variety says this. It's in the best tradition of Disney, and even better than that, because it's not so juvenile that adults won't be thoroughly entertained. Four stars. And I think that's, 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 perfect it's 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 a wonderful movie i enjoyed it thoroughly as a kid watched it many many times and enjoyed it just as much this time i think i also wanted to mention too like my my i I was wondering after this do amy and lil russ make it are they in it for the long haul do they Mm, go the whole way I oh you mean do they have sex and lose well their no no do they end up to do they end up together uh, no yes, do they, or do they bone <laughs> I I imagine that they definitely like get to third base if not more uh, at some <laughs> point in the next year but by the time we get to the sequel the Zelenskys have moved into a different house and Amy is not with Russ we mentioned going to Disney World when we were in high school did you ever go to the Honey I Shrunk the Audience Oh yes, Attraction? that was a great show. I've I've seen that multiple times. That's a great. Wasn't one. that amazing? Oh yeah, it, it's a great. It, it's exactly what it is. It's you 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 get shrunk. They do a great job of making you feel like you're shrunken down. There's like water spray effects and wind effects and the, the mice that run under your seat. <laughs> yeah, the mice. It's. It, I don't think it's even around anymore. But that was no. very very fun and memorable. Yeah, that and then the Muppets in 3D, like those were (gasps) really well done 3D things where, like, you know, nowadays you go see a movie in 3D in the theaters and like, yeah, like it adds more dimension like to the scene because it's it's mostly done in post. Uh, Whereas these things were done like with 3D, like, you know, filming with like two cameras. And so it is that thing where like Wayne comes out on this little tiny thing, like he's been shrunk at the beginning. He comes out on this little flying device and he comes right in front of your face and you feel like you could just reach out and touch him. He is right yeah. there in front of you. Like that's, that was the, the magical part about that was like the 3D was done so well. It was that kind of 3D where it's like, wow, you seem like you are right in my face right now. Yeah, that's what I, I love. The, the 3D was top notch, but then also all the other senses. That, yeah, the, that the sensory stuff on. around you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you want me to, to do, uh, or do you go first? Do you? It's I your forget movie. how we do this as far as like, I if, think it's if, you, if it's my I think, movie, I go first. Is that the I rule? I think you should go. I think that's how we've been doing it. So. Okay. 
so as a kid, uh, this was like a four. I always, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie as a kid. It wasn't one that I, you know, had to watch all the time. Really enjoyed, definitely rewatched it numerous times. Had it on VHS, loved it, loved it. And as an adult, I will give it a 3.5 because it really holds up. Uh, it, it, it's, I certainly have a nostalgic feelings for it. Uh, like I said, it makes me cry when I watch it. So it's really good for that. The music is spectacular because James Horner is awesome, even though he stole it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, just all in all a great movie. Like uh, it's again, that those practical effects and the stop motion animation just have a certain feel to it. And it, it gets me in the feels and I love it. So yeah, 3.5. A total of seven point five. Awesome. I am. I'm just exactly the same with you on the childhood. Saw it in the theater. Owned it on VHS. Watched it countless times. Lots of memories. Watching it, I hadn't seen it since VHS, and I remembered every single moment. I'm like, oh, now it's probably the ant. Oh, now it's probably the scorpion. Oh, now it's probably. I, I, I. It, it, it was in my subconscious. So yeah, as a child, this was a a strong four and I was initially going to give it a 2.5 for my adult score just because I haven't like I said I haven't seen it in so long it's not a regular watch but I'll bump it up I'll go three just because it it holds up it's it's wonderful awesome so yours is a total of seven then seven yep nice if you haven't seen it check it out if you haven't seen seen it in a long time definitely check it out you'll you'll have a good time but now we should discuss what we're watching for next week, and that is your choice. So what are we doing, Mikey? Well, the last movie I chose featured a particular actor uh, who was very prominent for me in my formative years, uh, that being James Hampton. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the James Hampton double feature. And not only that, you know what? We've got a, we've got a, a Tommy Purvis double feature in here as well. We've got a double-double feature. Oh, we're yeah. We're going to 19... 19- 1985's Teen Wolf. Ooh. Michael J. Fox. Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. I'm looking forward to it. I have uh, been doing the artwork for it as we speak. Uh, again, if you follow us on Instagram, you see that I do drawings for each uh, episode. It's just kind of a thing I do. But that's it for this week. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at formative underscore films and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find podcasts, you'll most likely find us. We have new episodes each Wednesday. Please like and subscribe. Tune in for next week's episode, Teen Wolf. And as always, whoa, hey. Whoa, hey. There There was was a a bee bee on me. me.